We have over 1,300 documented cancer victims right now, just in a one-mile radius. I'll be quite honest with you, it's changed my life so radically. Sometimes I don't even know who I am. 1,300 people in a one-mile radius. And what's causing so much sickness? It turns out all these victims have one thing in common. They live next to a military base called Fort Detrick. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Hey, March 8th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Two real big focuses today with a lot of other peripheral information, but mainly the WHO signing a contract for exactly the fake news story that's never going to happen, which is the global vaccine passport. Obviously, I'm being facetious. The thing they just signed is what we've been called crazy for talking about for this entire time, like everything else. But this just shows you a couple of different important factors here that one, this is still happening while they're screaming and pointing at every other direction. This thing is not even slowed down. That's really important to understand. A global vaccine passport, QR validation system. This is the great reset technocracy happening right in front of us. That's a really big deal. And this ties into a lot of other things, even back. I mean, we're going to find an interesting crossover today in regard to we'll, we'll start with a couple of points on what's going on in Ukraine. I wasn't even planning on talking about that today in general, but I want there's a, there's just a lot of important things to point out. But we're going to talk about just a couple of quick things in the beginning. Then we're going to get right into the bioweapon discussion. Now, you know, we've talked about that on the show long before COVID started, I mean, years and years before COVID started, it's a very real discussion. These bio labs are bioweapons labs. I mean, that's what all these experts have admitted. People like Dr. Boyle, excuse me, <clears throat> the drafter of the Biowarfare Act himself, telling us that's what these things are. Now, regardless of your opinion on that or what they say about that, it's important to understand what they're talking about in the beginning there, the Fort Detrick clip, that is a bio lab. Now, whether you want to pretend it's not a bioweapons lab, that's that's up to you. But a bio lab is very specific. It's a lab where biological research is conducted. Now we're in this ridiculous, clownish, mainstream uh, fervor like they always are, where they're just so quick to dismiss whatever comes out because they know they're marching orders. And then, of course, uh, you know, moments later when they kind of go, oh, but wait a minute, there's some nuance here and, and then still try to lie, but pretend like they always knew that. Just like with the, the Nazi discussion or the neo-Nazi discussion, where it's fake, fake, fake. You're a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists until seconds later it becomes, well, yes, it is a real problem, but let me explain why Putin's wrong and you don't understand. The same outlets that just said it wasn't even real, and I'm talking like days ago, they must be aware that that's ridiculous, but they don't care. Same thing's happening here. And it's, it, it's, it is so, the media is so quick to push back anything from whether it's COVID or Ukraine or anything that just challenges what they're trying to get across. So right in regard to the Ukraine biolab discussion, they are just desperate to push back on this to say that it's absolute ridiculous fake news. And then even when they say that at the bottom of the article, they go, yes, but they do have the labs. But here's what it means. And here's what they're doing. So it is a biolab then. Or do you not understand what a biolab is? Or they do not care, right? This is what it's like to be objective in a world of clownish partisan manipulators. It's frustrating. But we're going to get into that specifically. <laughs> That's so funny. So funny. 
Hey, I'm trying. Losing weight is supposed to be a good thing. Somebody says I look like a tiny twig in the chat. I'd rather, I mean, I like to think I'm looking healthy, hopefully. But in any case, the point is that this is a really important conversation that shows you how quick they are to not regard, to not acknowledge the very da- easily verifiable facts. And we've also talked about this quite a lot. But then we're also going to transition that right into COVID-19 and talk about how that obviously connects. And you can see a weird connection there. And we need to start asking about, you know, COVID testing things. I'm going to get into a lot that's been happening in Ukraine before all of this that ties into the same conversation. And it's just very, very real and obvious what's happening, just like with the rest of it. Now, to start off, we're gonna—I want to make a couple of quick points here that I thought were really interesting. So, this is what you're looking at. Weirdly enough, is my old YouTube channel that was deleted and more than once. Now, it, it went over a hundred thousand before we actually got kicked off the platform. But I had to go back a certain couple of ways. I forget why I started doing this, but I, I've been using the Wayback Machine a lot. And even though we know that it is manipulated a lot or it has been, you can see that things get pulled from it. I'm not sure how they do that, but I was able to, I didn't, I I decided to randomly look and look at that, my channel with all these videos and stuff, at least from the date where this was July 28th, 2020. That's why it's below 100,000. But what's interesting and why I'm showing you is not just to show this so people can see that it is uh, still, that you can, that that, that it happened, I guess, (laughs) that the the T-Live existed and there was a following. But more so that when I actually clicked on one of the links, guess what? You can watch the video. Look at that. Now, it took a minute, and it took, it took a long while, and you can tell that it loaded some version of it that's not there. Maybe that's Wayback Machine doing that. I don't know, but sure enough, you can watch the video. It might take a minute to load, if I, but I, I watched it. It was playing. It's at 22 seconds. So my point is, if you are willing, to, if you have things in the, on the channel that you may not have been able to find, Apparently, you can do the Wayback Machine and still search and kind of do everything. And so it's kind of a functioning a catalog of this old information. I wouldn't bank on this at all. For all this, probably pulled the rug out tomorrow. But I found that really interesting. My point, not just about T-Lab information, but just Wayback Machine. This is a very, very valuable tool that they're trying to remove. And that's why. Because these are things that they don't want you to see. Now, there's going to be at least four times we use this today to show you those exact points. One of them is a very important one in regard to the BioLab discussion. But we'll get there in a minute. Now, on the note of censorship, before we jump right into some really ridiculous, contradictory points from anti-war that we haven't been focusing on enough, Rich People Weekly points out, Telegram just shut down RT News like everybody else did. So for those that are still pretending these places aren't, at least, I don't want to go jump out a limb and say that Telegram is part of the problem, but at the very least, they're able to be leaned on. They're able to be, and of course, I will consider that they are not trustworthy. A lot of people have made that argument, but there's a lot of these platforms out there that people use. I mean, I use it too. I use a lot of these platforms, but at the same time, it's interesting to see how all of them can be uh, leaned on by the powers, right? And that's exactly what people like Super U and and Odyssey, especially, that just stood up and made a big statement to say they're not going to, are standing up and telling you they won't do. Now, ultimately, the whole point is time will tell, and it's all the, the proof is in the pudding. And a lot of these platforms, Super U and Odyssey included, have continued to show you that, that they are going to stand by you. This is interesting, though, right? Just got to pay attention to watch where these people, a lot of people want to say, like Rumble, for instance, in my opinion, is really, really keen on presenting themselves as the new thing fighting for you. I, I've never bought that, guys. It's a, it is tapped into every single choke point that, that affected every other platform that got removed. They're just not being affected. Why is that? I, I'm not going to get into speculation. I just, I've never been convinced that Rumble, Rumble is YouTube 2.0. That's what it is. Now, censorship is interesting. It's always going to happen, but just, you know, 
choose your battles, guys, and, and align with the right people. Vote with your dollar, right? That's what it's really about. Now, on foreign policy, because we're going to start with Ukraine, just think about the contradictory nature of all of this. Not only the absurdity of a group like the United States government that has overtly violated international law as a matter of policy every time it blinks, pointing at what Russia is doing and, and just and that's acknowledging that it is that is it a war and that people are being hurt by it, regardless of whether you think the actions he took were at the very least logical based on what the U.S. drove into action, we're still talking about an invasion of a country. But then you also have to recognize that's a country that was already overthrown by the U.S. government and a puppet government was put in place. So even calling it a sovereign country is a little bit off the table. There's a lot to this. But that's what's important in nuance and objectivity. But the bottom line is there's hypocrisy all over the place. And as an American operating from within the United States, the point is that my government here is screaming about things that they do all the time. Why that's acceptable to anybody, even if you think Putin bad guy, is uh, beyond me. So here we're going to point out some things that are happening right now. While all of them are screaming about how we are watching the international order fall apart and these people are ruining all of it and how dare human rights and, and safety and equality and everything except here's Israel doing exactly that right now. All over the world, by the way, and so is the U.S. government, so is Saudi Arabia, but nobody cares about any of that stuff, right? Israel's uh, defense minister is urging the world to mobilize against Iran. Why? Because they're coming to an agreement with the U.S. and Europe. Right. Terrorists. That means that's what's happening. This isn't even a joke. I mean, this is they're openly saying, by the way, it says it's vow, Israel vows it will pull, act politically, economically and militarily if a deal is reached. But here's the point is they go on to basically say that regardless, which I kind of blown away by, because they're never really that on the nose, at least when they're openly, when they're talking about, you know, Iran specifically, they want to make it seem like they're still part of this Western false democracy kind of idea. Mo Monday was Defense Minister Benny Gantz's turn as he called for the world to mobilize against Iran and said Israeli actions against Iran, including military action, would happen whether or not a nuclear deal was reached. Are you kidding me? Like, do you realize what would happen if Iran said even a fraction of that against Israel? I mean, if, if, if right now they stood up and said this in response to what Israel said and said, well, if you do that, we're going to attack you. The mainstream media would grab that, report it and say, is Iran is a threatening to attack Israel. Now, that doesn't mean that Iran didn't attack, threaten attack Israel because it did. But is it ob not obvious that there's a part of that conversation that makes this much more clear or somebody else that started it? We have to acknowledge at least part of that is happening here with how they continue to misrepresent what Putin says. And, and even the colonel from on Fox News was telling us that they're, as a, this is what they do. They will carry, they will imbue, in, what was the word he used, imbibe things, basically put words in his mouth in order to demonize him. There's no way you spin that other than being dishonest for an agenda. My point is that this is Israel openly saying we are going to attack Iran for no reason, whether or not they come to an agreement with other partners of ours. And that's OK today. No big deal, because nobody's allowed to call them out on the world stage because the U.S. and Israel will attack them and call them racist. But Putin, bad guy, of course, because we're children. Right. And I, I say that kind of facetiously because I know I don't believe that most I, I keep saying this and I mean this. I do not believe that most people are buying into all of this. Doesn't mean that the average kind of fluctuating 70 percent are not concerned. I'm concerned. And then still just go back to doing what they're doing. We go, man, this war looks crazy. Uh, who knows? They're all crazy. Like there's kind of that middle ground. 
Then you got the aggressively propagandized left and right on the extreme sides, which are the rest of us, them, I mean, the rest of the, you know, the percentages of that extreme. We operate within that 70%, I argue, where some of the people that see what's going on, those people are pointed as the majority, that fringe extreme on either side. And they pretend that we're all nuts. Same with anything else. How this doesn't get called out, I, sh I shouldn't even say it's beyond, it's obvious, because they won't let it. And if you think that it's okay that this stuff doesn't get called out, but Putin get, gets called out despite obvious actions by the U.S., the funding and arming of white supremacists in the area to be used to throw against you. It's just ridiculous. Israeli missile strikes kill two civilians in Syrian's capital. Yeah, that happened too. This is March 7th. Two civilians were killed and damage was caused in the Syrian capital of Damascus. Right, so the Syrian capital of Damascus. Israel's just bombing open civilian massive cities and that's no big deal. Did you even hear this on the mainstream press? Of course not. Because they don't care about this. They only care about what's advantageous for the agenda or what the U.S. government tells them they're supposed to say. Now, it says it was reportedly aimed at the airport, which is just incredible how many people could have been absolutely killed by this. Israel, of course, didn't comment, which they usually don't. Israel carries out near-weekly attacks on Syria. This is an open discussion. Nobody denies this. Though often it isn't clear what the point of such a strike was, and Iran ties are often just speculative based on Syria being aligned with Iran and Israel being generally aggressive toward both. And that's enough for everybody. The whole international community, well, I shouldn't say that because now it's, it is shifting, but Betselem and Human Rights Watch and all these different groups have come out and openly called them an apartheid state, openly called them a government that commits war crimes. And still nothing happens because it's all about making sure we're all safe in the international order, right? If you think for a second that makes sense, then you are being a child. You're lying to yourself because it's clear that this is the same kind. In fact, this is far, far, far worse than what they're pointing to. Not on the massive scale of what we're talking about about Ukraine, but the, the willful action to hurt people in an open area of civilians. There was no strategic action here. This is the, the center of Damascus. This was an attack, an open war crime. And it happens all the time. What, read anti-war if you want to actually be up on what continues to happen. You will never hear about this unless something happens in response. Now, on the other side of the, you know, democracy allies that the U.S. government has around the world, Saudi Arabia, the, the shining beacon of democracy in the world, jets pound Yemen's capital. Oh, the other capital, the other civilian capital in Yemen, of the, star the starving country of Yemen. But it's okay that they bomb the capital of the civilian area because freedom, right? Explosions rocked the Yemeni capital city of Sana'a on Monday after Saudi jets attacked the Al-Saud military camp. Now, yes, it's a military camp, but understand what happens around this. The latest rounds of airstrikes against the densely populated city. Exact death tolls are not yet available. Military camps seem to have been a favorable target for the Saudis, and attacks on them have, been, have tended to lead to explosions and casualties in residential areas around the city. The Saudis have, at, at times, warned civilians to stay away from military sites or warehouses just generally, but, ha and this is, by the way, these are places where they live, but half of the strikes are underground targets that locals don't even know are there or have a reason to avoid. So what that is, is an illusion of process when you go, yeah, yeah, we're telling you part of what we're going to do. And then when you're then pretend that we're giving you a heads up and then we just bomb places you don't know about the, this has been ongoing for decades. I mean, th this is disgusting that we don't talk about this. Where is all the bleeding Western press that's screaming about how we can't allow violence? We can't allow this old kind of thing. That's been going on this entire time. 
Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria and Venezuela and Yemen and Iran and everywhere you want to point that in Bolivia and every other country. You can see it's unbelievable how obvious this is. And all the children that are bleeding about their nonsensical talking points on one side or the other, the two party paradigm are so quick to call us crazy because they don't they can't wrap their mind around how we won't pick a side. At least 80 Houthis killed in northwest Yemen. Now, this is just ongoing. So recognize, yes, these are Houthis. And yes, this is in regard to the battle, the war, we want to call it, as opposed to the continually illegal occupation and ongoing invasion of Yemen being conducted by the Saudis and the United States and the United Arab Emirates. Because that that invasion is okay. While they're starving the entire country to death, that's acceptable. We won't even talk about it. But over here, where the U.S. prods and pokes and, and, and occupies territory and conducts drills and flies jets right to the border and over the process of months and years, by the way, and the people they're funding and arming are openly white supremacists and actively talking about killing the people in the separatist area and continue to murder and kill people in the Donbass region for eight years straight. But none of that matters because Putin reacted. And now we're all wind of fervor about what's going on there. But this one, no big deal, right? even though we've been starving them to death for years, but nothing to worry about, only Putin bad guy. Now, we just talked about this conversation, and it's really frustrating to see how people respond to this, and it's just the way it is because people are blind. They are, they, they, they are invested, as I said the other day, in one side of this argument. Now, this was a discussion called the U.S. government and corporate media desperately attempt to rewrite, rewrite history to hide the truth about Ukraine. Now, as I painstakingly discussed in this, and and this is the biggest part about this, and this is what partisanship does to the brain. To discuss this, or to really just to even discuss the concept of white supremacy from a a right-leaning extremist side of this, and I don't mean extremist in the sense of white supremacy, I just mean partisanship extremism. There have been so, it's kind of like we talked about with Derek with the word sustainability and and the UN discussion. Sustainability is a good thing. The word is a good thing. We should all strive for sustainability, but that's not what they're doing. The UN is using that, or rather the 2030 Sustainable Goals and the people driving it are using the term sustainability, and that's not what they're even remotely trying to accomplish, at least as far as as I can tell. But what happens by that is that people then begin to recognize the word as a dangerous, bad thing, and that's not the reality. That's, in fact, part of the agenda. So in this same case, when we're talking about the term white supremacy, we can all admit that there are real white supremacists, right? We shouldn't be childish about this, regardless of the politics around this. There exists such a thing as white supremacy, black supremacy, Jewish supremacy, anything you want to point at, there's going to be somebody out there that believes they're better than everybody else and actually and takes real world action to bring that to the reality. That's simply how people are. So first of all, we can say, yes, that exists. Okay. So the point is then to find that kind of a problem in somewhere like this and point at it and, and, and very clearly map out how the CIA has funded, armed, and used them is a fact, and they've admitted to that fact. But the problem is that when you point at that, the, that side of the narrative looks at us like we're then, oh, here we go. I knew they were part of that agenda. Now they're going to bring this. The whole point is we're on the side. We're trying to expose for those people that you're about to be framed, and they're not paying attention. They're not listening to what we're saying. We're on the side of that argument, in fact, and we're saying, look, these are the people they've been building right there. They've been claiming it's you, but it's not you. They're trying to lay this at your feet. They're building the threat of a white supremacist army. It is the new Al-Qaeda. This is the new Syria, and they're going to lay it at your feet. Biden has been involved with this from the very beginning, long before this ever came around, when he was back passing bills in regard to focusing on you. And here we are, and here he is as a president, and look at that. Domestic terrorism becomes the focus. This is not an accident. So the people out there that think we're somehow going along with the agenda of creating a white supremacist threat aren't listening. 
They're only listening to what people say that we are, and that's what partisanship does to you. Now, I'm not going to ignore the fact that having a three-hour show is going to be difficult for some of these people to reach, but if you cared enough or if you're going to pass judgment, you might want to do your due diligence first. That's what smart people would do. But my point is this is an important conversation that goes over the reality, the historical reality of how mainstream media was openly saying this about Ukraine and how they were talking about the threat, how the most corrupt nation on earth, all the links are here for you to check out. And then it goes into how they go, oh, well, they're also, they're murdering journalists and they're doing everything. And this is the U.S.-backed government, guys. Even the, even the U.S. was calling it out, or even not the U.S. government, but people, the politicians, the people within that, you know, the ones that aren't in the know. And then it flips all of a sudden, right? And that's where we're talking about how all of a sudden this got really, right before all this got really interesting. These are the people we're talking about. And we played the clips for you, and, we, and we've gone over all of this in regard to Storm's Cloud Gathering and the 2014 regime change. I mean, the U.S. government has been creating this from the beginning. But here's what we get. People reach out and say, hey, a three-hour video trying to convince people about Nazis. Well, that is that even remotely what I was doing? First of all, as I made very clear a thousand times, which she wasn't listening to because she didn't even watch it, is that it wasn't the Nazi term is obviously inappropriate. We're talking about a political ideology. These are neo-Nazi, white supremacists, or extremists, whatever you want to call them. And yes, that is a real thing. And if you're too childish to admit that because of partisanship, then that's your problem. The reality is that's obviously what they are. And that's obviously what the U.S. government chose them for because they're trying to create it to blame it on people in the United States, or rather, however this continues. But apparently, this was a three-hour video trying to convince people of a verifiable fact, not Nazis, and that's what she's framing it as. Seriously, she says, I should have known long ago by the cut of your jib that you were Jewish. So apparently, by even if I was trying to convince people of a very real thing that exists, I'm now a Jewish person. Which to her, that seemingly is an insult, but that makes her a disgusting human being. Because if you're just simply going to, to bring it down to a simple, that makes her the problem, right? Now, as I continue to point out, there's plenty of Jewish people that are absolutely part of this problem, that are completely brainwashed by the Zionist agenda, and yes, are absolutely, in their minds, leading, I mean, look at Netanyahu stating openly that this is a supremacist mindset. These Betselem and human rights organizations are openly calling them Jewish supremacy right now. That's not my opinion. Haaretz, on record, was discussing the fact that they were the ones arming these people. But see, this is the problem today. It says, your propaganda is astounding and nauseating at this point. You see where this goes? This is the problem, though. And I'm not remotely worried about reaching this person because that's not the point. But the point is that this is how it gets framed. And we need to fight past that. We need to continue to push into this and show people that this person who ignorantly thinks that, in fact, I'm trying to sell some kind of a narrative doesn't even realize that what we're doing is trying to point out that this person is going to be blamed for what they're pointing out over there. Even if maybe she does seem to be a little bit off the cuff, but it doesn't matter. The bottom line is we need to continue to be honest about this discussion, this discussion, you know, the one that she thinks I'm making up. And this is consent factory. Remember, kids, if one a-hole or agent provocateur shows up at a protest in Ottawa with a Nazi flag, apparently it's in a far right extremist movement, right? One flag in the whole damn thing is a far right movement. But... <laughs> Azov Battalion, a NATO-backed Ukrainian National Guard unit, can have all sorts of open discussions and literally call themselves that and use the signals and wear the flags and use the everything openly, openly state that we want to do this and spread this ideology and that's fake news. But one flag happens in this whole thing and it's completely forever right, far right extreme. Can you not see how ridiculous that is? And it's people like this that are so completely brainwashed and don't even realize it. That's crazy. 
Now, this, and the point is, don't forget the deep discussions we've had about this and showing you that it's not just some little fringe volunteer thing, as the, as the mainstream media painfully tries to argue right now. It was established by the interior of the ministry in 2014, which was driven forward by the U.S. government. Everybody's put in place. And then it got immersed with the government. It became part of the police force. It became part of the National Guard. It is now part of a political party on multiple avenues. Svoboda Party is is, is tied to this in its own right. And they're also very alarming. We have Right Sector and Georgia Legion. I mean, these are all part of this. I've proven this to you. They just don't care. So just recognize how ridiculous it is. That it's you know one thing, and it just it it, it it cracks me up to be quite honest. Actually, before now, I wanted to, I wanted to play this just this clip just right there so people remember this part of it because we're going to get into a part about Victoria Newland as we go through this. On February twentieth of two thousand thirteen, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. Twenty one people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, the people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. But. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor, she can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened so that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers they were it was not Yanukovych but it was somebody from the new coalition for some reason now you can watch the rest of that clip in general I've, play, I've played the whole hopefully watch the whole video where they go on to literally play Victoria Newland saying who is going to be elected right we're deciding who's going to be elected in this new democracy because that's how freedom works right it's ridiculous. And yeah, she did testify, and we're going to get into that next in the bioweapon discussion here, the bio lab. But this was recently sent to me. There's a couple of other points in regard to Ukraine I want to get into before we shift into the bio part specifically. Now, we talked about this supposed guy from, uh, this, you know, this Russian guy that got a POW that spoke out and everything. Now, I haven't been able to verify whether or not that there's anything behind that. This is what's been circulating, I guess, but it doesn't seem to be valid. Just to point this out, there's a, this, this person saying Ukrainian propaganda, this is the same guy, Ukraine, you know, one side, it's they're claiming he's Russian, the other side, it's Ukrainian military. But the reality is, it seems it's not the right guy. This guy's only got one hand. This guy's got two. So it doesn't really seem to make sense. But nonetheless, recognize that there's always people out there kind of, you know, trying to manipulate or maybe just getting it wrong. So question everything, right? But nonetheless, I'm still interested to see what happens with this guy. You know, this POW guy or the, the the reason for whatever reason they would, you know, treat and take care and honor these people, except they would murder one of their own the moment they suspected he was a spy. But, yeah, totally makes sense. Right. But going forward, this is interesting. These are just some, some peripheral points here that I wanted to include. We're now we're being told Russians are going to be disconnected from the global Internet on, on Friday. Now, it says uh, an unverified tweet has been making waves claiming the country will remove itself from the international online community on March 11th. A post from Belarus-based media outlet, Nexta, has made the claim, suggesting that all companies wanting to keep an online presence there will need to shift to domestic servers. 
Russia began active preparations, they say, for disconnection from the global internet. The tweet reads, it's right here, quote, no later than March 11th, all servers and domains will be transferred to the Russian zone. In addition, detailed data on the network infrastructure of the sites is being collected. Now, if it's true, if this, if let's just say it's not true, you would argue that there might be an agenda here to drive more people to in, take the choice to do this, even if they don't end up making this happen. You know what I mean? Like just suggesting this. So they drive sort of like, we're going to make vaccines mandatory. So go ahead and volunteer for it now, right? Drive it in there. Sort of like that. Maybe. But as it goes forward, the claim has been made the rounds of social media with another account claiming it's in preparation, pre- preparation, excuse me, for cyber attacks on the U.S., which I hate stuff like this, to be quite honest, because clearly this, I don't, I, I can't speak to whether this person has some kind of inside information from somebody as a land broker and investor, but he just says, breaking, Russia will do this. I just responded by saying, breaking unconfirmed words. That doesn't mean it's fake. might be real. But I just, I can't stand how people, like, why would anybody, and look at the tweets on this. Why would you, why would that mean anything to you? This guy says it. Oh, it's all capitals. It must be real. We're crazy the way we act on social media today. It's unbelievable to me. We just love to share what we think is the the reality. The point is that this is where it came from. Uh, My guess would be this guy just saw that and said, breaking, because I want to be the guy that gets the chairs. And clearly he did, because this guy almost has more engagement than theirs does. Maybe he knows something. I don't know. But as it goes forward, it seems to be a little bit interesting. And I would argue, my opinion, if it doesn't happen, it, it, it doesn't seem like that would make a lot of sense. Wouldn't that be a very dangerous move to hurt, that would hurt them in a lot of ways? You know, like they're being isolated anyway. So maybe that's why it would make sense it would happen. But it just seems like that would almost kind of be shooting themselves in the foot. Because the internet, regardless of like real world isolation, is at least a way around that. I don't know. These are just some thoughts that I had. But the point is, a report by the Russian Daily uh, Commerçant seems to contradict the claim, however. And that, I, that you might argue they would because they don't want people to see it. I don't know. Saying the Ministry of Digital Development has denied a government move to block Russian access to the internet. So they're claiming that there was an effort to do it, but it was denied. But all this is speculative, you know, reporters saying stuff, especially today. That's all what this means at the end of the day. Commerzat said, and especially how often these things turn out to not be the reality, that the order is now only limited to the government websites and has been taken to prepare the country's internet infrastructure against external disconnection and cyber threats. Okay, suddenly it totally makes sense. And if that is the reality, and it to- it becomes exactly like every other story that we've been seeing. So it turns out, if this is true, that it's a government action to take only on government websites to in- insulate themselves from potential attacks. And that gets spun into, we're going to break everyone from the internet. <laughs> you know, that's how this stuff tends to go. Now, I'm just theorizing because I will have to wait and see what happens on March 11th. But it says, whether or not the March 11th claim is true. It's well-known, and this is interesting, in tech circles at Russia, and I wouldn't know that just because it's well-known in tech circles doesn't mean it's true, has been working on its own internet for several years. Now, this there are links in here you can check out, and I have, have heard this discussion as well, even from Russian circles and like Russian media and politicians. It says, then a year, uh, a, 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 in 2019, the Russian Ministry of Communications announced it successfully tested a countrywide alternative to the internet. A lot of places are doing this. Now, it's interesting to see how these things can, if that, that's kind of what I would guess this is, that this is them saying we're trying to take action to insulate ourselves from what is seemingly coming our way. Because I just don't think doing that would help them the way they're framing this. And that gets turned into something that they might argue is Russia censoring their own people. Like we're going to not allow them to use the internet. And that's, I think, kind of leads into everything we're seeing. But we'll see what happens. I just wanted to throw that out there before we try to get ahead of the story because there's so much unconfirmed information flying around everywhere. It's just impossible these days, but 
<clears throat> on, <clears throat> excuse me, isolation. McDonald's jumps on the jumps into the virtue signaling bandwagon and directly hurts a lot of Russian people because that's the game, right? How much, how many Russian individual people, civilians can we hurt and affect by taking action that we pretend is hurting the Russian government, right? McDonald's temporarily shuts all 850 stores in Russia. So all the Russian civilians that had jobs and were feeding their families just lost their jobs in the middle of a pandemic, right? <laughs> so they would say. Funny how that matters when they want it to, but it, you know, oh, big and bad, I'm going to century, and it's e equity and equality, and they're going to screw the Russian people because Russia's a bad guy. Nothing is sacred to these absolute hypocrites, but that is going to hurt people, the average people. But you know what it also do? Keep them healthy, <laughs> which is a funny point people are making. But also Coca-Cola suspends business in Russia because they're all just rushing to jump to the front of the line of the virtue signal. Like, no, I'm doing it too. Let me jump in this bandwagon and show everybody that I can follow the follow everybody else too. But as Jimmy points out perfectly, Russia has already been cut off from CNN, Pornhub, and Facebook. The U.S. is now working on depriving Russians of McDonald's, Coca-Cola. If they keep up with the sanctions, Russians will soon be among the healthiest, well-adjusted, and best-informed people on the planet. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to agree with that. With everything, <laughs> think about that. But the point, nonetheless, is it's there's a lot of individual people that are being affected by this that have nothing to do with the government. But guys, that's the point. As much as they want to pretend otherwise, that is the absolute point. Sanctions are always aimed at the people. They want these people to be so upset and so out of sorts and so destabilized that they don't care who's in charge. They don't, they, even when they know the U.S. government is doing this, like in Iran or Venezuela, they know they're being starved to death or Yemen. At some point when your children are dying in your arms, you just don't even care. I, fine, take power. Just stop this torture. And by the way, that's openly documented in past records of how they see sanctions. But, you know, who cares? Fake news, right? Now, here's an interesting part about Ukraine that I thought was really relevant to include. He points out, this is no accident. NLP anchored these colors for two years. Mass formation color programming. Hugo Talks plays this video. And I'll play it for just a couple parts of it real quick to start out. But as this person adds, and I agree, which of course doesn't mean even if they were seeding these colors for Ukraine over the years to get us kind of mentally prepared for it, it doesn't mean we then fall in fall into the Hegelian dialectic strategy trap and start supporting Putin, right? That's the that's what they want to always pretend. It's either Clinton or it's either Hillary or Trump, right? You can't have another opinion. You're in there somewhere. That's how these two party people view the world. It's it's binary, it's ridiculous. So we need to see all of them are liars and manipulators. But the point is, nonetheless, that this has been something, or at least it seems, that has been kind of being seeded. And I found this to be very interesting. Now, of course, it could be coincidence. That's obviously a point to make. It could just be random. Or maybe because they were already, they were already thinking about it. I, but I don't believe that. I know this kind of stuff happens. So just I'm just going to play a couple quick parts of it. Actually, I don't need to bring up the video. I'll just play it right here. Because it's, it's just music. And just well, it's interesting to see how this could be what they're talking about. So right now, as we can see, it's everywhere. Over the last couple of weeks, everyone's putting the flags on Twitter. Everyone's putting, you know, everything is being virtue signaled everywhere. You know, they're putting it on their walls. And, and you know, I, I just I just saw this really ridiculous clip of, of Sean Penn, CIA Sean Penn, almost seemingly almost crying about what a great person Zelensky was and what a hero he was and how, oh my God, he's, he's going to save the world. I don't know if he was born to do this or not. And it, right, because we can trust Sean Penn's 
what his his willingness to sit there and be told what Zelensky says or be told Zelensky tells him what is going on and tells him what he thinks and the actor puts on a show and suddenly Sean Penn's convinced of his virtuosity of his, how virtuous he is right i mean do you did you i mean it's just so ridiculous why in the world would anybody care what an actor has to say about another actor <laughs> it's it's absurd to me but the point is this is everywhere this virtue signaling manipulation these people are bad Right? I don't care what you think about Putin. These people are bad, have been manipulators from the very beginning. They've hurt people to put them in place. We just showed you the video. They admitted and knew that their people shot people. They blamed it on the other side, got them out of power, and jammed this puppet in place. Or first it was Poroshenko, and now it's this puppet. It says, but these colors stand with Ukraine, and their flag colors have been with us, they say, for a while now. Years, in fact. And they're going to show you a couple examples, and then I'll then I'll move forward. Vaccine ads and so on. That's not a really exactly good example because I feel like you know this that that could be coincidence, right? Many of these could be, but some of them stand out to me a little more. Things like that, just interesting to me, you know. Now, obviously, I would argue that you could like go out of your way to look for, fun, you know, try to find things that are blue and yellow, and you probably find them. I bet you I could do this with most any flag if I really tried. But my point is not to say that, you know, I don't know for sure one way or the other. The point is to argue or just admit that they, we know they do stuff like this, that we know that they outlined how they could manipulate you about COVID, right? How do we scare them into doing what we want? How do we fear monger whether or not it's real? Lie about this and fake about that. We, it's all on the record now. So my simple point is, is this something they considered? Were they already prepping this? Because we see this Ukraine thing seems to increasingly be tied to what we're talking about today in weird backwards ways. Biolabs and COVID testing centers I'll get into. It's strange. So maybe there was some connection. But I just wanted to pose that for you to think about. Now, this goes on for another 10 minutes. There's a lot of examples. A lot of blue and yellow and so on. But, you know, just it's something to consider. If you, but if, if you're reflexively dismissing this because you think it's crazy, well, that's ridiculous. They 100% have and will and are capable of doing exactly that. But do is, is it? You know, that's the question. This is a really interesting video. It's very short, but I want to play this to make, to, to make us think about what's happening right now. Not just right now, but just in general, the two-party paradigm. But this makes a really valid point. This is Spike 1962 pointing out, this guy explains in one minute what's going on in this country now. Not, not just now, in general, in my opinion. But take a look at this. It's really valid. And, and, and consider how this has always been happening. Despite what you might be thinking, these two circles are not equal. I repeat, these two circles are not equal. One is, in fact, larger than the other. What I need you to do is determine which one that is. So, please raise your hand if you believe the blue circle is larger than the red. Okay, for those that haven't seen this, don't give it away if you've seen it. Go ahead in the chat. Give me your thoughts. Blue, number one. Red, number two. Right. If you think the blue circle is bigger than the red one, because what he's basically telling you is it's, it's one of them is larger. Right. So if you think the blue circle is larger, give me a one. If you think the red circle is the larger one, give me a two and just play along. Especially, just let, give, let me know what you think. Come on, Hux. Not red. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Number two. The point here is that there's a, it's like a, it's an experiment. It's an experiment on the way that we perceive things. I'm, I'm just kidding, Huxley. <laughs> I just want to get a couple of people saying it, then we'll go through it. 
So mostly twos so far, and I believe that's the red one. Okay, I got enough of them. Anthony says the first one. Okay, so one of them is bigger, he says, and he goes on to let people vote on it. I'll let it play out. I just want to let us vote on a couple of them, let the votes continue. All right. Please raise your hand if you believe the red circle is larger than the blue. All right, very good. Now, before I said anything about these two circles, what was your first instinct? Equal, right? Because they look equal. And the reason why they look equal is because, in fact, they are equal. These two circles are identical. <laughs> Yet I got just about every one of you to raise your hand and say that they're not. So what do we learn? That you can be manipulated like that to believe in something that goes against your natural instincts. Just, just imagine... Just imagine, as a child, you're taught that the blue circle is larger than the red. If you say it enough times, you convince yourself that's the truth. If you're told the lie enough times, it becomes part of your reality. And if a... Like, okay, like this is the repeated lie often enough. It becomes part of your reality. Now, that's the first part, right? If they continue to tell you these are safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, right? Every over and over, Putin's war, Putin's war, Putin's war, Putin's war. It's everywhere right now. That's all you're seeing in every outlet you're going to see Putin's war. Putin's war. This is Putin's war. Putin's war machine or whatever they're saying. Then it becomes part of your reality, especially when you are part of a side, right? Now, by the way, for those of you like Reborn, for instance, that said they seem even to me, even in the face of the point of being told they're different sizes, being told that they're different for sure, and you still go, well, they look the same to me. That's kind of the interesting middle ground, right? Where you're still willing to, that doesn't mean whether, whichever way you went, doesn't mean you're one way or the other. Just show it's a, it's a game and we, you're driven to make a choice, right? His point is simply that in a larger scale in politics, when you make that choice, oftentimes you decide to stick with it. Even when your mind is going, I don't know though, I think they're kind of even. That's where we are right now with politics, most of us in this chat, right? Where we're going, I don't know, they both look ridiculous to me. <laughs> both sides are fake and liars. And we don't pick one just because we're told we're supposed to, right? Now, now the point is it goes further from there. You're told it enough times, it becomes part of your reality. Enough people are taught that lie, that the blue circle is larger than the red. Well, now it becomes part of the culture. Right? So if then it continues to be taught from those people to anybody, children around you, it becomes a cultural topic. Right? We know that Republicans are this way. We know Democrats are like this. Do we, though? Or are they all the same? And if that culture then passes that misinformation along to the next generation... Well, now it becomes tradition. Think about that. That is, un that is the kind of thing that becomes impossible to break. In fact, it, becomes, it takes generations to, to break back, right? So we're at a point now where that's where we are. This is tradition. Has nothing to do with facts, does it? It's just really about which team you support, right? You're born into a 49ers team. Well, you fight for those 49ers, right? You know they held, but you want to fight. No, they didn't. They got in there because that's my team. Right. That's what this is. And it's an excellent point to really think about how that works. It's as simple as just being like, well, I'll, I'll take a side because I guess we're all supposed to. I just found that to be so incredibly valid and, and important. But sadly, people that are have are, are, are lost in that paradigm would will say that's stupid. I'm not that. Yeah, most of them are. Now, here is a really interesting point back to the neo-Nazi thing coming from a great article written by. Uh, uh, off Guardian, and this is the point that we're making from before about this this you know image this this email and or the, the comment revenge of the Putin Nazis. Now this whole point is it's making a joke about the horror movies you know the revenge of the so and so return of the Putin Nazis making a joke about it right. What there's I'm just going to cut to what I was highlighting here. The point is 
just because Ukraine is full of neo-Nazis and recent members of its government were neo-Nazis and its military has neo-Nazi units, Azov Battalion, and plenty more than that, and it has a national holiday celebrating a Nazi and government officials hang his portrait in their offices, and the military neo-Nazi militias have been terrorizing and murdering ethnic Russians since the U.S. and its forces of goodness supported the stage, managed a revolution back in 2014 with the assistance of a lot of neo-Nazis. That doesn't mean Ukraine has a Nazi problem. You, you can insert the word you want right there, white supremacy problem, whatever. And, I, and remember that this was funded and armed and driven into reality. Like this would be the same as saying that Syria has a terrorist problem, does it? Or was it driven and re- cre- created by the CIA and, and not even really most of it's an illusion? Same kind of thing here. These people are being funded and armed and driven in this direction. But some of them actually embody this ideology. After all, its current president is Jewish, right? So that can't be true. This is the kind of mainstream argument we're talking about. That's where I got this tweet. Consent Factory, by the way, is always doing a great job. If a trader mentions the Ukrainian Nazis, switch your mind off, of course, as quickly as you can, and hit them with a thought-terminating cliche. The president of Ukraine is Jewish. Or every country has Nazis. That's a good one, right? The other thing we need to look at and dismiss and never think about again is the role the United Forces of Goodness played in orchestrating this mess, starting with how members of the U.S. government stage-managed a coup in 2014 and how they funded and worked with known neo-Nazis. All of that, of course, is just Russian propaganda, right? Despite the fact that it has been thoroughly documented, and not just by usual conspiracy theory outlets like us, but of course, by official mouthpieces of the forces of goodness, like the BBC, The Nation, The Guardian. But but now it's suddenly fake news, despite they literally saying it moments ago. We, we've been doing this too, right? If some Putin Nazi traitor mentions these facts, or sends you links to the numerous articles documenting the 2014 coup, again, switch your mind off immediately and shout, ancient history, ancient history, stomp your feet, right? and then shoot yourself up with a massive booster of fact-check truth from the forces of goodness media. I recommend The Guardian and New York Times, of course, but if you want to go directly to the source, just follow Ilya Pornomarenko of the Kiev Independent on Twitter. And this is tied to the Independent, right? I'm sure the Ilya uh, here and his neo-Nazi Azov Battalion brothers-in-arms, as he calls them, will cleanse you of all that disinformation and Putin-Nazi propaganda. The link's in here, by the way, but here's... This is a writer, blue checked and everything, laying down, lying around with the Azov Battalion groups and, and other U.S. military personnel. That's what I, that's my guess based on, the, I, I, I know these people have been working alongside them for this entire time. We've documented that. But the point is, he writes, brothers in arms. It was a fine day in August 2017 when Azov guys consecrated me an artillery guy. Hashtag Donbass, hashtag Ukraine. Right. You realize how childish it is to continue to pretend this is not what's actually happening? That's the ridiculous part. That's what people like this can't wrap their mind around. From one side, we get attacked for pretending, I guess, that there's a real problem there, even though we're using it to point out how they're going to be framed with this problem. And on the other side, we're being accused of fake news because it's not real, both of which are ridiculous because that's both sides of the ridiculous two-party paradigm, guys. That's what that is. Always a great article. And of course, their point is, okay, enough inoculation for now. They're making fun. That, that was a joke. But then they go on to point out the lies, the manipulation. It's a great article. The reality is it's very, it's verifiable. And all they're going to do, and I think they're on the same page here, is make it about Putin, make it about him, whether or not there's a problem in Russia or whether or not there's Nazis in Russia. That's not the point. We're not pointing out that they're in no any. Look, if we have to be honest about or we, or we should always be open and, and transparent about the reality that people have a right to think what they want. That's called free speech. That's called whatever you want to call it. But we're allowed to say, well, you're a disgusting human being. The point in the reality is the moment that they act on things, well, those are crimes. 
right? If you actually hurt someone, attack someone, those are crimes. The problem is today they're trying to make it a crime to simply say certain words, right? The bottom line is somebody who wants to embody these, these ideas, that's supposed to be allowable in a world that's free. Not to say that I accept that. I think it's disgusting and these people are gross or that I agree with it. The point is that we're at, a, we're at a point now where we're saying, well, there's one over there, therefore they're all Nazis. Except the only place in the world that doesn't apply is the group in the middle of this that they're funding and arming. How does that even remotely make sense as the point that Consent Factory made? So if you want to point over there at Russia and point at that picture of the one guy that's in the military for them that has this tattoo that they make represent the entire place and argue that, well, why don't we do the same lens over here? Because there's an agenda here and they're choosing not to look at it. That's why this is ma they're making fun of it because it's ridiculous. Now, again, if you haven't read this article, you need to read this. This is laying it out. Whitney lays this groundwork to show you what's really happening. They have built this since 2014 and it's coming your way fast. And it's going to be aimed at you as the American people. That's what's happening. Now, to the gas point before we jump over to the biolabs, this is just so frustrating to me that they're pretending that this even remotely, that this, it's all Putin, no matter what, right? You stubbed your toe this morning, a Putin did it, right? That's what they keep doing. It's with COVID, it doesn't matter. It's a catch-all. That's what they do in the middle of this stuff, in the fog of whatever they want to call it. Anything goes as long as it aligns with their narrative. Now, he says, today, the average gas price in America hit an all-time record of over $4, $4 a gallon which, by the way, had already risen to the majority of that long before this started, but it's all Putin's fault, right? He says, okay, that stings, but a clean conscience is worth a buck or two. A clean conscience? So these people are the most, these are the complicit brown shirt type of people that should be the most called out. They, whether he knows it or not, is towing the line of the worst people in the planet, pretending that it's okay. It's a clean conscience to allow us to arm white supremacy groups, to murder people in the Donbass region, and then frame what they're doing to try to stop them as the evil part of it. Unbelievable. I'm willing to pay $4 a gallon. Hell, I'll pay $15 a gallon. I drive a Tesla, which is just ridiculous, by the way. That's Steve Col Stephen Colbert, by the way. Now, Chris points out early treatment, Martinson. Okay. And then after Biden is now banning the imports of Russian oil, which is going to directly in, exacerbate this problem, and then they're going to blame it on Putin, which they already are. He's saying, okay, then seems someone doesn't understand how oil or markets or oil markets specifically or actually operate. Yeah, the point is they do, and he knows that too. They know, and they know that's what's going to do. They don't care because they can lay it at Putin's feet. Sort of how when they destroyed the country, the economy, and all your jobs, they just went, well, COVID did it, right? That thing that we haven't even proven, that thing did it. Not our actions, not our, not that we literally pulled the rug out from under you, but it's the thing that we pointed at that we didn't justify. That did it, right? Now it's Putin. Putin did it. I mean, it's just on its face manipulative, dishonest. Now let's listen to some points that he said. Now this, I tell you, it's just hard to watch. I mean, the way that they, it's, 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 it's the, a person, like if, if a murderer, a known convicted murderer stood up and said, that guy over there is a murderer and we shouldn't work. It's, 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 it, make, it makes you laugh out loud. Like whether or not the guy's a murderer, you're going, well, what, what right do you have to call anybody a murderer? And the, the sad part about it is, is it, it's even these mainstream outlets have previously written about how the U.S. government has done this or done that and how it's a war crime. And we, but in the middle of these kind of things, we, we forget and we pretend like it's not there. Sort of how you write about the Azov Battalion and how it's a dangerous threat and how Americans are going over there to work with them. And, oh, and then suddenly fake news. The moment that you're supposed to. 
right? Well, let's take a listen to Biden. Oh, you know what? I think I'm just going to play them right here. Probably easier. Okay. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. So he says we're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas. Right. So we're at a point where there people are worried and rightly so because gas prices are astronomically higher than they have been pretty much ever. And the point is that, or for in a long time. And the point is that this is where are we, are we just forgetting? Are we just forgetting that? Uh, let me write this down real quick. Are we just forgetting that what they did to us destroy? I mean, people are in a precarious situation, right? Because of what they did to you. And we're just pretending like that's not the word. We're past that now. We're going to take action that increases the price of one of the most important things that people need to get around after you just destroy their jobs and they don't have money and they don't have any careers and their economy's broken. Well, it's all because we need to stand up for freedom, right? Well, I'm sure all you rich technocrats and elitists don't care about that. But we, and, and why do you get to make a choice for us what we get to deal with in a process which most of us don't agree with? Because these people don't care about you. And the illusion of some kind of democratic process or representative government is the point. But as long as we keep towing that line and pretending from the false two-party paradigm, all of it continues in the same direction. Now I grabbed this real quick, so I'm going to bring it up. I feel like that was a little too low. Now, one point as I, before I open this up is that, that my brother is actually making is it's it's ridiculous how they'll they'll announce these things and have a set time and then start like three hours after that point. Like, and I, we I'm pretty convinced as he is that th- there's a there's an effort <clears throat> to make these in, very difficult to watch they, because they don't want people to hear. They want to be able to tow the the you know put out sow the narrative, but not have average people listen to it. Now, I'll also point out when I go through this that you'll see that the the uh, transcript is almost always wildly out of whack, sometimes like 30 minutes out of place. So you just can't find stuff when you're looking for it. I don't find that to be by accident, just my opinion. But let's see, uh, I just got one thing. I believe it was nine minutes. Somebody was saying, let's take a look. Oh, actually, I forget the one, the other one starts first. It's at, uh, right in the beginning. Where was that? 54, so 54 minutes in is where it starts. Right there. Okay. Targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. This is a move that has strong bipartisan support in the Congress and, I believe, in the country. Putin's war machine. I mean... No one's going to pretend that they're not, I mean, right now they're in military action inside of Ukraine, right? But think about the absurdity of the most actively, I mean, not just the most active military on the planet, but the most active, the, the, the military that has openly been conducting some of the most overtly illegal acts in living memory around the world. Just because they frame it as doing it for the good reasons doesn't change the reality. Again, that's so childish. They are breaking the law, and the UN says they are, but we go, fake, you're a racist, so shut up, it doesn't count. And so when I say it, they go, you're, that's not true, fake news, because didn't you hear Biden? 
Well, the UN said that it's just so ridiculous that we continue to play this game. This is the war machine. You're looking at the leader of the biggest war machine on the planet. And now they're pointing at them and saying, look at that war machine. It's just silly. It really is. Americans have rallied support, have rallied to support their Ukrainian people and made it clear we will not be part of subsidizing Putin's war. This made, we made this decision in close consultation with our allies and our partners around the world, particularly in Europe, because a united response to Putin's aggression has been my overriding focus to keep all NATO and all of the EU and our allies totally united. We're moving forward with this ban, understanding that many of our European allies and partners may not be in a position to join us. The point being, guys, this ban is absolutely going to explode this problem. Absolutely going to explode this problem. They know that, right? They know taking this action is going to make those gas prices skyrocket, even 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 though they're already out of control. So does that not matter? I mean, nonetheless, they're still blaming it on Putin. They're like, just like I said the other day, right? Even though the U.S. government is taking direct action that is keeping food out of the hands of Iranian people, and Pompeo even goes as far as to say at the time that if you do not do what we're telling you to do, your people will starve. That was on the record. And then when they begin starving months later, they point at it and say, Iran is starving its people. And that's their logic. Why? Because they didn't do what we wanted. Therefore, we starve them. And that means it's their fault. That's that's the brother saying, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Right. Is he hitting himself or is there clearly something else happening? Right. You can't just blame it on them because they didn't do what you wanted. Therefore, the action's their fault. That's ridiculous. And that's a that's a choice to see it that way. And that's dishonest. It's the same thing we're talking about here. They're taking action that is going to hurt you. That means they're taking action that will hurt you, not Putin. And top of the fact that we have to acknowledge the obvious painful reality that that's, they drove this into action, regardless of whether Putin had designed or wanted to do it anyway. They made this happen. Easily provable, other than people that are blinded by their partisan talking points. The United States produces far more oil domestically than all, of European, all the European countries combined. Now, here's something I want to show you real quick. To continue to make sure we show you how absurdly this is not just that statement, but the the idea of him continuing to float this lie that should we need to, we'll just tap into our oil that we have. That's they've been lying about this since Trump's administration. Make sure we understand how obvious it is that the shale discussion, the energy independence was already falling apart in 2018, 19. As this says, the energy independence of the United States could prove to be an illusion. Jumping forward a couple half, half a month later, shale oil and the illusion of U.S. energy independence. And finally, Financial Times in 2020, U.S. shale bust wrecks hope for energy independence. Trump tried to play this game, too. They just love to lie to you about what's really going on. They don't have that independence. What they're doing is catastrophically dangerous for you and for everybody else. I genuinely think part of this is about destroying this system so they can justify the rebuilding of it they're going to try to push for the Great Reset. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable in U.S. ports and American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. Powerful blow to Putin's war machine. Yeah, seriously. This is a move that has strong bipartisan support in Congress and I believe in the country. Right. And that's always important to understand that this is where you be in, in war is when you very clearly begin to see the uniparty that it always has been. Right. That's the point. 
when you when that's the closest thing to tap into the real overarching agenda. And they're all on the same side. Of course, there's little nuance points within it that they pretend they're all certainly, I don't believe that. And what really matters, though, is what continues to happen. The justification of the actual agenda. Americans have rallied support, have rallied to support the Ukrainian people and made it clear we will not be part or subsidizing the Putin war. That's what I mean. Putin, you're going to hear Putin's war, Putin's war machine, Putin's war everywhere, as we always see. This is the biggest threat to our democracy. And then over and over they do, over and over, right? Consultation with our allies and our partners around the world, particularly in Europe, because a united response to Putin's aggression has been my overriding focus to keep all NATO and all of EU and our allies totally united. So what, you know, like just to, to quickly dance back to the other point, right? So we're all unified in order to stop Putin's aggression, right? Okay, what about Yemen? What about Palestine? What about Syria? What about Iraq and Afghanistan and on and on and on? And all these places that are still having problems right now. We just showed you Yemen was being bombed by Saudi Arabia. People were dying. Civilians were dying. We just showed you that Israel openly attacked the center of Damascus and killed people. Does that matter? What about Israel's aggression? It's just, God, you know, it, it, you know that th- these moments are really hard for me not to get frustrated because it's hard. You know, you know that I care deeply about the people that are that don't have a voice, and it makes me. It almost I feel the blood rush to my face when I think about what they do and how they frame these people as the villains while they starve them to death, while they murder their families in front of them, and then say, "But you're the terrorist." Because you know what that does? That creates terrorists, right? And that's what they, it's a self fulfilling prophecy because you just watch your family get exploded by you, and then you get attacked. And they call you a bad person. They say your country's the evil place. It's just disgusting. It's just time that we continue to recognize what these people truly are. And that should not reflect on American as the people. Because America are the people. The government is not America. The government are supposed to be your, what, your they're supposed to work for you. That's not how this actually works. And we know that. They don't ask our opinions. They, they, they give us a false process. They tell us it all. The most important thing you've ever done in your life. And then they shove it away and never look at it again. And they do everything they were always doing. The continuity of the policy has been obvious for decades. But sure, go ahead and vote harder next time. We'll see, what, see if it changes the direction. We're moving forward this band, understanding that many of our European allies and partners may not be in a position to join us. The United States produces far more oil domestically than all of Europe, all the European countries combined. In fact, we're a net exporter of energy. So we can take this step when others cannot. But we're working closely with Europe and our partners to develop a long-term strategy to reduce... Oh, shoot. My apology, guys. That was probably really quiet. Let me go back real quickly. Nobody said anything in the chat. I'm surprised. Let me go back. I apologize. I was playing the wrong video there. In fact, we're a net exporter of energy. So we can take this step when others cannot. But we're working closely with Europe and our partners to develop a long-term strategy to reduce their dependence on Russian energy as well. Our teams are actively discussing how to make this happen. And don't forget that the Nord Stream pipeline that they were aggressively trying to shut down, that was one of the byproducts of this forcing Germany into making that move. But remember, the U.S. government was attacking, uh, you know, sanction uh, or threatening sanctions against Germany. Why? For simply having an agreement with with Russia, despite the fact that they have a cheaper and better access to fuel and and resources because Russia's there. But you're trying to force them to use U.S., which is obviously not sound. 
U.S. oil and then at a higher cost. Why would anybody do that? It's like forcing them to buy, uh, you know, more expensive, less reliable weaponry like in Syria. It just doesn't make sense. And the point is that they attacked them for it. So now we can see that this was also something they wanted to accomplish. And look what they did. They accomplished it. Today, we remain united. We remain united in our purpose to keep pressure mounting on Putin and his war machine. This is a step that we're taking to inflict further pain on Putin. But there will be cost as well here in the United States. I said I would level with the American people from the beginning. And when I first spoke to So he's telling you right there that this will come at a cost to you. Right? I'm going to let him finish the statement there about what, but just here, this is going to come at a cost to you. You are being penalized for, I guess, their pretend war for freedom. Just like, just like every other situation, by the way, that your tax dollars go to pay for. But this is a real world thing because the whole gas problem, I don't think, was something they factored in, stupidly enough, because it seems like they're kind of reeling about it right now. But the bottom line is you're going to take action that's going to make it worse. And you're saying that's just the price of freedom, right? Freedom isn't free. The classic ridiculous bumper sticker, that's sort of a joke, right? It's right on the, it's not, I, I picture America World Police, right? They're right out of that movie. Freedom isn't free. It's kind of a ridiculous slogan, to be quite honest. But that's what they want you to think. It's going to cost you, right? It's part, it's doing your part for America. Well, no, it's not even remotely what's happening. You're hurting people by taking these actions and just simply trying to pretend like it's honorable. Therefore, hopefully we don't speak back about it. Right. And anybody does speak up about it, but how dare you? Don't you stand with the country? It's just like any other wartime situation. Well, WMDs aren't real. They're lying to you. You're anti-American. Yeah. Turns out that was right, though, wasn't it? And they all were called anti-American for calling that truth out. Putin and his war machine. This is a step that we're taking to inflict further pain on Putin. But there will be cost as well here in the United States. I said I would level with the American people from the beginning. And when I first spoke to this, I said defending freedom is going to cost. It's going to cost us as well in the United States. Republicans and Democrats understand alike understand that. Yep, exactly. They're all on the same page, lockstep. Republicans and Democrats alike have been clear that we must do this. Over the last week, I've spoken with President Zelensky several times to hear from him about the situation on the ground and to consult and continue to consult with uh, our European allies and about U.S. support for Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. Thus far, we've provided more than $1 billion in security assistance to Ukraine. Yeah, that's, that's weapons. We've already shown you the multiple things that even Patrick Lancaster found on the ground, verifiable U.S. weaponry, lethal weaponry. But yeah, that, that, that's why they try to lie to you about it, right? We're not giving them, we're giving them security aid. No, your tax dollars are literally funding a white supremacist government. Think about how stupid that is, coming from the very person who's waging a war on white supremacy. That should drive you crazy. Now, I think we are going to try to guess at this one spot here. Let's see. There's a part about natural energy or, uh, you know, going, going the other direction, I guess, from the energy situation. To protect our economy over the long term, we need to become energy independent. I've had numerous conversations over the last three months with our European friends of how they have to be, wean themselves off of Russian oil. It's just not it's just not tenable. It should motivate us to accelerate the transition to clean energy. Right. But it's, I mean, think this is the, this is why the live shale is so important because that's not on the cards, right? That's not even possible. It would seem. So it doesn't matter whether you cut off Russian oil, you, you, you know, insulate yourself from that. That's why they're having talks with Maduro in a really embarrassing way because they need somebody else's oil. That's what's happening.
So they're willing to go back and deal with the guy they just spent years trying to tell you was the biggest terrorist on the planet because they don't care about anything. It's all narrative and all propaganda. Now, on top of that, think about something like the rare earth minerals conversation, right? Does that not matter? Who cares? It's all about the moment and how we can get you all worked up about what we're pointing at. The point is that right now, the U.S. government is desperately dependent on China for rare earth minerals, which they use for their military overwhelmingly over than anything else, but also electronics and everything else. So that's why that continues. And that's why they don't point that. But that's also why they try to take out places like Bolivia and Venezuela for the lithium and for the cobalt, the cobalt, I believe, and the coltan and plenty of other things they desperately need. But it's all for freedom, though. Don't 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 look at it for what it really is. They're just trying to murder and steal and rob for freedom. But that's what's happening. It's easy to prove. But those don't matter. It's all about Putin right now and oil, because that's what they want you to focus on. This is a perspective that our European allies share. What was that? It's just not tenable. It should motivate us to accelerate the transition to clean energy. This is a perspective that our European allies share. I'm not even sure what he said right there. But to be clear, this is another part of this we've been talking about, right? Clean energy is not a bad thing. It's not a dirty word. Right now, people that are on on Republican side of this argument are going to feel that that's bad because green and the Green New Deal and and that's oh it's a talking point. That's it's the Green New Deal is the lie, right? It's it's that's them trying to politicize and capitalize on what we should actually want to do. This is it's it's a it's a counter manipulation here, guys. They want you. They do you really believe they want to stop using oil? Do you really believe they want to stop using coal? And this is obviously how they control things and how they manipulate in a large degree. That's why they've been having wars in a large part that were about in, in a large part oil, but using the clean energy conversation it's just like sustainability they they are they don't they're not actually going for that direction they're that's why the same thing with like technocracy and the whole direction they're talking about they're using the idea of sustainability and equity and equality to trick people in this direction which really goes the exact opposite in my opinion but we're not there so who you have to come to your own conclusions about it but you can see how they're trying to frame this as this next step there's your tie in to the great reset push for everything else that's happening now, there's one other thing I wanted to play. I couldn't. Here's what's funny. I'm talking about the transcript, but by the way, you can see him right here that if you, when you let it play, that that's not even remotely where he is. Now, that I don't know why. That, I don't think that's an accident. I think they don't like people being able to search through this stuff. Just my opinion. But here is one last clip. My point was that I wasn't able to even find this clip, even though it's in there. Definitely see that. Here's the clip. But when he searched for the transcript, it doesn't come up. Maybe you have a thought about why. The day is not without cost here at home. Putin's war is already hurting American families at the gas pump. Since Putin began his military buildup on Ukrainian borders, just since then, the price of the gas at the pump in America went up 75 cents. Okay. So right now, if it's at like $5 in many places, and he's saying it went up from $4.25 to $5, why is it not more concerning that, you know, why did it go up from $2 to 4 before that, Putin, no, your actions and your negligence and your and your your lack of concern for what the American people go through. Their actions have led here. Now, there's, I could have another show about that, but there's plenty of people talking about that right now. On top of that, their actions, then they're now committing are going to make it worse. But because Putin, I mean, look, as I said the other day, Putin's actions in, the, in, in Ukraine or just anybody's actions in regard to war especially when any one of the countries have interest or a controlling interest in oil for the world, 
Of course, that's going to have an effect. Any kind of wartime effect has effects on the markets. We know that. But to pretend that all of it is about that, especially even if it is that the fact that they had a huge part in driving this into the reality, it's just so dishonest. They, as the American government, have far more responsibility for why this is happening to your gas price than anybody else. And then once again, recognize they're desperate to try to justify why that exact situation needs to change. Because it's bad for we need to reimagine the world and see it's just not working. Look how much you're spending, right? And then people go, "Well, please give me something better." Oh, well, we have a solution for you. Problem, reaction, solution. And with this action, it's going to go up further. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. In coordination with our partners, we've already announced that we're releasing 60 million barrels of oil from our joint oil reserves. So. Putin's price hike at home. That's what he just said. So he, he's, he's, he just said before that, that this action that I'm taking will make this go higher. And then he called it Putin's price hike at home. I mean, people that fall for this stuff are mindless. Like, I don't even know. He's, he's saying the opposite before he tells you the lie. It's just pretty ridiculous. Now, the reserve part of this is always interesting to me because people always point out this reserves conversation. Why don't you just let it all out? Right, because that's how they control they control prices by dripping in or not. In, it's it's always artificial, sort of like the way they manipulate gold prices or they manipulate anything they want. Because these people manipulate anything they can. Half of that thirty billion million, excuse me, is coming from the United States, and we're taking steps to ensure the reliable supply of global energy. We're also going to keep working with every tool at our disposal to protect American families and businesses. Let me, let me say this to the oil. In what way? So that, that's, that's a garbage statement. You know, we're going to take direct actions that hurt everything in your life, but we're going to do what we're going to take actions that we're not going to define to protect you from the actions we did define that will hurt you. Okay. So what are you going to do? What actions are you going to take that help us? It, it's, it, that's just a narrative to make you feel about, Oh good. He's going to do something to keep us safe. Thanks Biden. Well, how'd that work out during COVID guys? Gas companies and to the finance firms that back them. We understand Putin's war against the people of Ukraine is causing prices to rise. We get against the people of Ukraine. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so childish how they're willfully reframing these things. Now, maybe that's what's happening. He says otherwise. They keep arguing that things are happening without showing you proof of it. But sure, let's just run with the narrative because that's all they do. Because Assad killed children, right? Because we know that, don't we? No, they're liars. But his point is he's speaking directly to the gas companies. You know, these honest, hardworking, altruistic gas companies. That. That's self-evident. But, 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 it's no excuse to exercise excessive price increases or padding profits or any kind of effort to exploit this situation. Right, because why would oil companies exploit a situation? Because that's never happened, right? You know, it's not like Iraq ever caused people to, I mean, good God. I mean, it's, it's like we don't have any understanding of our own history. We have no sense of ourselves in this country. It's crazy to me. What did you, it's, there's so much, I, mean, I, I could, that's why I used to not, I have to stop watching these things because I could sit here and pick out every single point of what they're saying. It's just embarrassing how little people seem to be able to self-reflect. But the shale discussion obviously is what I wanted to make sure people understood is how they're trying to float this lie. But one of these last points before we get into the bio lab here is that Poland giving entire fleet of MiG-29 fighter jets to U.S. expected to be sent to Ukraine, breaking 9-11 reports. 
Well, what's interesting is Poland then said, fake news. Unfortunately, you're spreading misinformation. Well, that's interesting. Poland won't send fighter jets to Ukraine as, as well as allow this uh, use in its airports. Okay. Then explain to me why Pisaki over here on March 7th, yesterday, literally said that that was happening. I mean, it's this is the kind of thing we're talking about. Now, either Poland is lying because they don't want you to know what's happening, or Pisaki and, and their liar manipulators in the White House are saying it because they want you to think it. Now, however you play this, somebody's lying. And why would that be? Because they're in the middle of a propaganda war, guys. She says, we're working with Poland on this issue and consulting with the rest of our NATO allies on it. This is Poland's sovereign decision to make. We have in no way opposed Poland's transferring planes to Ukraine. The point being, so there's obviously a conversation, and that's very obvious. But so if, if Poland, but Poland says this is remotely, this is not even remotely true. The whole thing is fake. It's not even happening. Except she's arguing that they're already in conversations about it. But to go to the source of your question here, I think, and this is interesting the way she frames this, there are a number of challenging practical questions to the thing that's apparently not happening, including how the planes would actually be transferred from Poland to Ukraine. Understanding we already know that they're talking about giving them to the U.S. to be able to send them over there. And that's how they don't, they're trying to run from that middle part of this conversation, I feel. So are they going to fly? Where will they depart from? Where will they land? Those are very important questions. Not really. There's a thousand obvious examples. It's just, that's her trying to just kind of dance away from the obvious that they're going to send them to you so you can bring them into, it's ridiculous. But, and it says also, she says, as it, as it relates to the backfire, backfill question, because we got to make sure they have lots of weaponry, no matter what, we are working through some pretty complicated logistics on that front as well, including how we would backfill because, you know, procuring new, procuring new planes and transferring serious weaponry systems often takes years, takes years to do from the United States. And we can't let that be depleted because war, you know, for freedom. So that is all. Those are all two layers of difficult logistic challenges here, she says. Question, the person asks, but is it predominantly logistical challenges that this is a holdup? That, that, you know, it's causing the holdup? Or is there a concern on the part of the president that supplying Poland these planes could exacerbate the conflict with Russia, Poland, and other allied countries? Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Because you know why? Because Russia said if this happens, it's an obvious declaration of war. One of the many red lines the U.S. has already disregarded as not even being aware they're there, despite them being openly stated on the world stage by Russia. So that if you do this, we're going to we're going to it's wartime and they don't care. But of course, if if Russia even gets near a red line of theirs, well, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Look at what they're doing. They're terrible because that's what media does. They're ridiculous. But Pisaki speaks up and says, well, I think there's an important question here as I touched on a little, about where they take off from and where they land, right back to it, right? Like, she's just so ridiculous. There is an airbase that is a NATO airbase in Poland. If you have the planes, planes apart from there, that's, and so you just answered your stupid question. Well, I mean, you could fly out of there. You could, I mean, there's a thousand things. I don't know what her point is. That could be a challenging circumstance. Not really. It's pretty clear. Are there? What are the other options? Like, that's a pathetic way to answer the question or not answer the question that he asked. But she goes on to say, but we're looking at all those factors. So she didn't answer it, bottom. by the way. The bottom line is, if you fly them to NATO bases because they're NATO bases in Poland, which is already a violation of a previous agreement, that's a huge crossing of a red line. And the point is that they don't want you to, they don't want people to connect that the U.S. government is facilitating this process. And that's exactly why Poland's like, nothing's happening. Don't, don't look over here. That's what I think anyway. But as it goes forward, here's another point to it. Somebody asked another question. She says, Jen, you detailed some of the challenges as it, rela- as it relates to the jets that aren't happening that are in Poland right now, <laughs> the NATO base there. How you get into Ukraine and do it in a way that doesn't instigate the wider war there. Wait a minute. I thought it was fake news, right? The point is they're there and they're trying to disconnect this from the U.S. government or NATO. Vladimir Putin this weekend warned 
this is still the question, that implementing a no-fly zone would be considered a declaration of war. But he also went further. Now, first of all, recognize that's stated, and they all know that. So if and when they do this and pretend it's not a big deal and it's all for freedom, recognize that's already been set as a red line and that Putin will do something about it. And then when he does something, they're going to frame it as his aggressive attack with no justification. But he says, he went further. His language was, via translator, quote, any move in this direction will be viewed by us as the Russian government as a participation in the armed conflict, because that's what it will be. By the way, there's already troops on the ground, as we've made very clear. They've been there since 2015. It's on the record from multiple mainstream outlets. They're special operations from the CIA. That's it. Then it goes on to say, that very second, we will view them as participants. And it would not matter what members they are. So why does the U.S. or perhaps the U.S. and its NATO allies have confidence that delivering those airplanes in any form will not be viewed by Vladimir Putin as an act of war? He says, well, first off, or she says, well, first off, there's already a war going on in Ukraine. That's being instigated by Vladimir Putin. <laughs> okay. Well, let me make sure he says, oh, I, I, he actually says it when he goes after this. But the point is, she, so she just goes, there's already a war there. And he goes, a wider a wider war, he said. <laughs> listen to what I'm saying, Paskaki. Listen up. That would not bring them into an added participant. She goes, well, I think you ask an important question here, and it is, where do these planes take off from? <laughs> Good God, she's ridiculous. That's an important question, right? How do they land? Where do they go? Transporting them. Those are important factors. That's really what she said in response to this. But he goes, but he said, trying to get back to the question, any move in this direction. So even where they take off from almost doesn't matter spoon feeding or she knows that she's trying to avoid it but any move means even the provision of them would be viewed as an act of war right she goes well again we can't speak to putin's present putin's where his mind's at where his brain and the totality of his intentions are we've already seen him take rain she just said that oh oh you can't speak to his intentions except for literally everything other you say everywhere that we know it, that's Putin's playbook, because we know what he thinks, we know what he wants to do, and we want, he wants to rebuild Soviet Union. Those are all speaking to his intentions that you can't prove. But apparently, when it comes to a point where you totally have the information and are aware that, and you don't want to talk about it, well, we can't speak to what Putin thinks. We don't know. Well, you do, because he literally just told you that if you do it, it's a red line, it will be an act of war. So yeah, you do know what he thinks, because he just damn told you. This, it's pulling teeth with these people. Because that's what their job is. She, her literal job is to make sure you don't get anything you can work with. Painful. The bottom line is, the sus from all of this nonsense, is that apparently there's planes in Poland that they flow to an NATO base, and they're trying to figure out how to get into Ukraine without having Putin call it a crossing of the red line. That's what they're doing. And Pasaki's just trying to play this ridiculous game, dancing around the point. It says, but the procurement or the providing of the planes is, is up to Poland. They're a sovereign country. They can decide. Just trying to play the game. So when it happens and he points at it and says, clearly a crossing of the red line, they're going to go, we didn't do it. Poland did whatever they wanted. It's just childish. It really is childish. And it's always been childish. Now, even more ridiculous is this discussion of the bio lab, which is just so painfully obvious. And the way they try to equivocate and bend over backwards, the mental gymnastics is just painful. This is from the 7th. Russia reveals evidence of U.S.-funded bioweapons, bioprogram in Ukraine. Now, this is Russia saying this. You should question it like anything else. They say the spokesperson, Igor Koneshnikov, said, quote, in the course of the special military operation, evidence of the Kiev regime's hasty measures to conceal any traces of the military biological program 
not necessarily saying weapons, but I guess I think military. Well, military, they argue the military labs are, you know, Fort Detrick's military lab, and they claim it's only for research. So they don't necessarily say weapons, do they? That's the way they keep trying to frame this, though. And I'm going to get into the, the what a bio lab is and how they're trying to play this game, just like Pasaki was just doing. They found evidence, they say, of a biological program financed by the U.S. Department of Defense. Now, that's on the record. I want to prove it to you. They just pretend we're not. They just they play games with the terms. That's all they do, just like the definition of vaccine or the definition of herd immunity or the definition of immunity. That's how they work, guys. They're dishonest. Governments are dishonest. Kineshnikov pointed out that the employees of Ukrainian biolaboratories had provided information that especially, especially hazardous pathogens plague, anthrax, cholera, tularmia, and, and other lethal diseases infecting agents and had been urgently destroyed following the beginning of Russia's special military operation. Now, by the way, I'm 100% certain they're also playing working with coronavirus, COVID-19, and I'm going to prove that to you in, this, in these exact locations because they're testing in these exact locations. But it goes on to say, quote, we will share the results of the analysis of the documents we have received in the near future which I'll, I have already, and I'll show them to you. Some of them, in particular, the Ukrainian Health Ministry's instructions to destroy pathogens and, certifi- and certifi- uh, certifi- certificates excuse me, of completion from the Kharkov and Poltava biolaboratories. We are publishing right now. Now, that's just statements. You should quite, that's my point as always. If this is right, if all you saw was this, you should walk away thinking it might be it, it 50-50. Could be real, could be false. That's what, regardless of your stance or your side or your impression. It's always 50-50 when it's just statements. But that's not how it works today, especially in the two-party paradigm. If Russia says it, fake news. If U.S. says it, real. Even on both sides of it right now that are lost on that. That's what we just showed, the lockstep of the two-party paradigm around the Ukraine. And it's, it's just pretty ridiculous. And it shows you how it's meant to work when they really push it forward. Now, don't forget this brief overview that's not the real picture, the full picture, I should say. And we've shown you this before, which they try to equivocate around the same thing. They're not biolabs. They're whatever we want to call them, which biolabs are exactly what the definition of what they are. They just pretend that that's not what they, the word biolab today has been in people's minds become associated with weapons. And it should, to be quite honest, that's what it is. But that's a biolab simply means biological research, which is what they pretend they're doing in Ukraine while pretending biolabs don't exist there, which is counterintuitive. It just, it's contradictory. But this is the Pentagon biolaboratories. You, 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 know, you could argue weapons. You could argue research. There's biolaboratories in 25 countries around Russia, China, Iran, etc. This, this is from the Department of Defense. Now, you can see one, first of all, in Ukraine, one of many, by the way, but there's plenty. Georgia is an example of places that have already spoken up about the U.S. manipulation that have caused people to get sick. That's why I played that Fort Detrick clip to you, for you. It's all around it, guys. Now, this is important to understand, just not just because that it's happening around the world, but because of how clearly they're encircling the areas that have a lot of, like, like Africa, for instance, by, uh, Dr. Boyle has pointed this out and said that every single one of the outbreaks, outbreaks you've ever seen in Ebola, whatever else in Africa, have been within a stone's throw of one of those labs. Think about that. Could mean everything, or it could be a coincidence, but he seems to think quite certainly that they're weapons. I don't know why his opinion doesn't matter when he's the drafter of the Biowarfare Act they still use to this day. Now, we already showed you this. 
this is her as well. I, I, I'm trying to get her on for an interview. I, we tried to connect a long time in the past. And I think that was, I think what happened was I got censored on one of these platforms and we lost connection. I think may, that that's possibly what happened. Regardless, she's been on this for a long time. Del, uh, Delanya. Breaking, we just showed you the Russian defense ministry has pu- published these documents obtained from employees of the Pentagon funded biolaboratories in Ukraine. It says they instructed the biolaboratories to urgently destroy pathogens and bioagents. Now, this is all in Ukrainian and you can't read it. But you can see, as we showed you before, that there are obvious points here that are tied to, you know, Staphylococcus and Salmonella and the things they're talking about. But you should be skeptical like you always should if you're being objective. But this is interesting. That does, but that also means you should consider this as possibly real, 50-50, right? You don't know for sure. But the interesting part is now Russia has released the same documents. But you can tell that you can see that there's different headings on them, but you can see that this is the same grouping, which I find very interesting, right? These are the same documents. So she clearly got them from an insider source that then now been released by the Russian government. Still, you should still be saying could be faked by the Russian government because that's always possible. But as it says, Russia publishes documents which show Ukraine was working on biological weapons near Russian borders, such as anthrax plague, and that the Pentagon is instructed to destroy them violating Article 1 UN prohibition of biological weapons. These are U.S.-funded labs. That's a fact. Let me prove it to you. Before we get there, though, China is also calling this out, saying the U.S. has 336 labs in 30 countries under its control. Now, all they're trying to do is pretend that that's a fake news story because they're not weapons. Well, that's not even necessarily what they said there. We're just talking about biological manipulation around the world. And I'm going to make this more clear as we get through this in regard to how they're playing the game with that term, but listen to what he, what China is calling out in regard to what they're doing around the world. Recently, the U.S. biological labs in Ukraine have indeed attracted much attention. According to reports, in these facilities, a large quantity of dangerous viruses are stored. Russia has found during its military operations that the U.S. uses these facilities to conduct military plans. According to data released by the U.S., it has 26 labs in Ukraine. The U.S. has 336 labs in 30 countries under its control. The U.S. has also conducted many biological military activities in Fort Detrick. What is the true intention of the U.S.? What has it done specifically? The international community has long held doubts. Once again, we urge the U.S. to give a full account of its biomilitary activities at home and abroad and accept multilateral verification. Now, there's a, there's a lot of things to consider here, right? First of all, you should consider whether China is pointing at this, which is a real thing, just to take attention away from something they don't want you to look at. That's a fair thing to point out. But that does not then inherently mean that that's fake because it's not fake. I mean, guys, there's been people in American, American journalists, like I'm going to play this clip for you right now, that have been pointing at these labs for a long time and going, there's dangerous stuff happening here. And by the way, we've known that. Don't forget, the anthrax conversation comes from Fort Detrick. That's where it came from. That's where the manipulation started. They framed it on the one person. And there's, it's a bioweapon lab. It's what it is. And multiple people have spoken out about that, as well as the fact that around these labs, people get sick like crazy. So as they point that, it recognize, yes, that's not just what China's saying. Plenty of people in the U.S., plenty of, of, of groups that are fighting for transparency have been calling this out for decades. 
So it's a real thing. But still consider whether that he's just saying this because he wants to take attention away from Wuhan or take attention away from what Russia found. Who knows? You see, but just to consider one fake, the other one real, because two-party paradigm is what they want from you. It's what they desperately need from you. One side hates Russia, the other hates China. It's just childish. Now, I'm going to play this clip right now since I just said that. It's only two minutes, but it's it's important clip. It's the, it's the longer extension of the clip that I opened with. Oh, I think oh, it's right down here. I got it. I visited the town of Frederick, Maryland, uh, which is just outside of Washington, D.C., and met a lot of people who were suffering or had family members who had died from rare illnesses. And one thing they all had in common was a theory that the source of these rare illnesses was a local army base called Fort Detrick and some of the secret activities that have been going on there for decades. I lived on Elm Street, and on the side of the road that I lived on, just counting the six houses, everyone had cancer. So my daughter, at the age of 28 years old, was diagnosed with brain cancer. Then my second daughter gets sick and has tumors in her womb, and they said that this was not genetic but environmental. About a year after that, my wife then gets renal cell carcinoma and dies a year later after that. We have over 1,300 documented cancer victims right now, just in a one mile radius. I'll be quite honest with you, it's changed my life so radically. Sometimes I don't even know who I am. 1,300 people in a one mile radius. What's causing so much sickness? It turns out all these victims have one thing in common. They live next to a military base called Fort Detrick. In historic Frederick, Maryland, are the biological warfare laboratories. The volunteers have been positioned on the outside of the test sphere, in which a cloud of biological warfare agent can be generated. In 2009, Fort Detrick was added to the EPA's Superfund priority list, making Area B, located here, one of the most polluted places in the nation, just across the street from this crowded neighborhood. Who told you uh, that you couldn't drink? Nobody said you're not allowed to, but it's kind of just a general, like, known thing in my neighborhood that we don't drink the tap water. And why is that? Because we know there's chemicals there. That's so incredible, guys. Can you believe that? Now, I have to remember to grab the link to that documentary. That's incredible. This is all, this is, this is what I mean by, like, public information. It's an open secret. Nobody cares. They're literally, whether by accident or by direct action, poisoning the people around that area. People dying from cancer. Everyone on the street has died from something. It's crazy. And nobody cares. That's just one. And don't forget, Fort Detrick is the one we keep talking about. They've on the record admitted with the CDC that they had one leak every three days for seven years before they corrected. Remember, Fort Detrick was the place that got shut down for security leaks right before COVID started. That's a fact. And then we had the weird outbreak of weird illnesses that seemed to have the exact same symptoms and the ground glass opacity in the lungs that we couldn't figure out. And then we blamed it on vaping right before this started. And there was an outbreak right on the other side of these nursing homes, interesting, that all had this really extreme case of the cold right before this started. Now, I'm not saying I know for sure those are connected, but doesn't that sound relevant? Now, just a thought. But why we dismiss it? Because, well... You're an anti-American and China bad guy, of course, right? Because that makes sense. 
Now, here's what we're being pushed at, or what's being pushed at us. China pushes Russia conspiracy theory about U.S. labs in Ukraine. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory, says Bloomberg. China accused the U.S. military of operating dangerous biolabs in Ukraine, echoing a Russian conspiracy theory that Western officials warned could be part of an effort to retroactively justify Putin's invasion. Right. So because he says it, it's a Russian conspiracy. Right. Just like how, you know, Russia points out that your government lied to you about things around WikiLeaks and whatnot. And then because you point to the fact and they admit that it's real, you're still you're still promoting a Russian conspiracy. Remember that that absurdity during all that? Where even though it was shown that what they were saying was true by pointing at what you're agreeing with what they were saying, you were still working with Russia to, for the truth. <laughs> like the whole WikiLeaks, it was just so painfully stupid. So the same thing. Well, they are working with labs in Ukraine, and I'm going to prove it to you just like I did the other day. Maybe because they used the term dangerous, and we we're, that's how we're going to sidestep this and pretend, well, they're not dangerous. They're just, well, obviously they can be and are. We just showed you the possibilities. Well, who else is saying that? Let's see here. Oh, here's here's USA Today fact check. We love their opinion checks, don't we? False false claim of simply U.S. biolabs in Ukraine. So it says right there. That's it. Just just it's fake. Just have, not bioweapons, just labs. It's fake news, according to the, the, the press, the media, the journalists of the world. The claim there are biolabs in Ukraine funded by the U.S. government. OK, very simple. False. But here's what they say after it. And here's the here's the sad part about this. Based on our research, we rate false the claim that there are bio labs in Ukraine funded by U.S. government. The posts misrepresent a treaty between the United States and Ukraine aimed at preventing biological threats. Okay, so they take part of what's really happening and pretend that's the only thing happening. They say the labs are owned by Ukraine and funded by Ukraine. False. I'll show you the literal documentation that, by the way, they tried to hide and I found directly from their website, but I used a Wayback Machine, which is the point, which overtly states the funding coming from the U.S. government and how they're involved. Oops. But, you know, I'm sure USA Today, USA Today is just so busy, they just don't have the time to actually do their research. I know how it goes. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm making fun. They're ridiculous. Whether they didn't care to look into it or they knew that they were just supposed to tell this line, it doesn't really matter. But let's prove it to you. So according to them, fake news. And the reason that their their point, their focal point is because they weren't funded by them. So they want you to read this and go, oh, fake. Biolabs aren't in Ukraine, even though they just admit that they are right down there. But see, that's what happens when people just read. I call them title skimmers. That's what they hope you do. That's why they frame it like this. Even the right here. Oh, fake news, right? But no, they are there and they're quietly admitting that down here, but they just pretend, no, they're just not funded by them, though. And they're only treaties. They're not actually even dealing with bad things. That's what they're saying. Well, first of all, as I said before, what is biolab? What, what does it mean? What's the definition? As it says right here, very simple. A laboratory for biological research. Well, it's pretty benign, right? Not really when you understand what they do, but the idea is that that's how they want it. That's what it's supposed to mean. It could be research, could be weapons, could be it's just simply using biological material and researching it in some direction. Okay, well, then we can all admit that a biolab is exactly what any of these are, regardless of their semantics and the way they equivocate. So here is PolitiFact, that we just saw the other day, saying there are no U.S.-run biolabs in Ukraine. Again, I think they're trying to focus on the U.S.-run part as their kind of sidestep without making that obvious. But then it says right here, the U.S. Defense and Ukraine's Ministry of Health have had a partnership since 2005 in, to improve public health laboratories and prevent outbreaks. Okay, but it goes far beyond that, as we'll prove to you right now yet again, because these people are ridiculous. 
the fact checkers of the world can't even tie their shoes, it seems, without being pointed in the right direction by manipulators. Here is what they point at, and I'll read it directly. This is their Reducing Biological Threats Partnership. But in this very document, it says, Consolidated and secure storage of pathogens and threatening toxins. Now, even that contradicts what they say right here. That no, it's just a partnership about preventing these things. But when you dig into it, you realize that that's actually what they're saying is how they prevent them is by using them and and keeping them and stuff. Well, that's the same damn point, isn't it? But it goes further than that because here's the bigger point. Consolidated and secure storage of pathogens and threatening toxins in relevant government agencies so that peaceful research and vaccines can be conducted. So right there, PolitiFact just lost the narrative because that's, if you're making vaccines, that means you're doing gain-of-function research and you are making these things dangerous so you can make a vaccine. That's what fact, that's what they've all openly stated in different ways. They just pretend it's not gain-of-function. So how is that just a treaty about reducing threats? That's a lie. Now, we can all acknowledge that whatever they're doing in this vein, it's a biolab, right? So how in the world can people like the USA Today or anybody else get away with saying there are no biolabs because they're just liars? Same with them. But then it says, our joint efforts help to ensure that dangerous pathogens do not fall into the wrong hands. You know, like white supremacist governments that are willingly trying to ethnically cleanse a group of people. (laughs) Like that. (laughs) Exactly. Well, let's keep going because it gets more important because I already showed you that the other show. Here's another fact check. Interesting engineering fact check. Why Russia claims about U.S. biolabs in Ukraine don't hold up. March 1st. Despite tensions, research in biolabs to fight deadly diseases must go on. (laughs) Okay, so this is an argument about saying, kind of like simultaneously saying, and you're a conspiracy theorist, but it's actually happening and we need it to continue because dangerous things. Biolabs in Ukraine are necessary to prevent deadly outbreaks. Okay. Interesting start. The idea that the U.S. is secretly operating biolabs for nefarious purposes like biological weapons, at least from Russia, traces back to the 2018 incident when both Ukraine and Georgia suffered outbreaks of a mysterious disease that laid waste to livestock, according to state-sponsored news service. Well, doesn't that sound like the Fort Dietrich thing we just showed you? It should, because Delanya has also made very good, had very good coverage about what happened around Georgia and how the people on the ground are absolutely certain that it's coming from this lab. And by the way, there's also been independent research that's been done on the ground. They just don't talk about this stuff, guys. They're hurting people. Blame for this. Are we really going to quibble about this after what we know happened from from COVID? I mean, they're still running from what's happening from that. It says, blame for this was leveled at the U.S. government, specifically a multi-million dollar installation on the edge of Georgia's capital, Tbilisi. The report from the news service used an on-screen graphic that declared, without evidence, Nest of viruses, referring to the biolabs. So they're saying they claim without evidence there's a nest of viruses there. But then the next sentence they say, well, yes, a biolab that worked to develop treatments to dangerous diseases are a nest of many viruses. The wording conveniently omits the necessary necessity of working with dangerous materials. That is ridiculous. And that's the kind of BS we keep seeing from them. So you say fake news because you didn't include the context we wanted. Well, if you're just saying it's nest of viruses, and it's true that it's nest of viruses, just because it, this is the kind of thing like saying, look at how dangerous this information shows these vaccines are. And they go, fake news, hide it, because you don't understand the narrative we want to sell you with that. That's what's happening right there. It's not fake. It's obviously real. 
because it is a nest of viruses. And all it is comes down to is that you believe they're doing it for good things. Therefore, how dare you suggest we're doing bad things with this, even though you can very clearly prove that they have and are and are continue to. It says, in August 2005, the government of the U.S. and Ukraine reached an agreement to prevent the proliferation of dangerous pathogens and related expertise to minimize potential biological threats. We're talking about the white supremacist neo-Nazi government. In May of 2020, an archive of an Interfax Ukraine report. Gosh darn it, that was one thing. Hold on, let me see if I can load that again. I had something that I was going to include, and I forgot about that. It wasn't loading for me. I'm going to try to let it load here in the background. No, well, oh, well, oh, well. But uh, continuing forward. They reached an agreement to, quote, prevent the proliferation. Uh, In May of 2020, an archive of an Interfax Ukraine report said a subclause of the agreement was specifically written with the goal of, quote, modernizing laboratories in, specifically, Vinnytsia, Kherson, Odessa, Lviv, Kiev, excuse me, I'm probably mispronouncing some of them, but Karviv is an important one for me and other regions. Remember this one. That's what we're going to get into more. So what they're saying is these were one of the labs the U.S. government was working with Ukraine to, quote, modernize, which should concern anybody knowing what they're doing. This was a massive undertaking involving repairs, equipment upgrades, and a substantial restock of crucial supplies. What do you think that is? Ukraine Security Service said its state budget finances the biolabs and that they were under the purview of the state Ministry of Health. Now, first of all, even if that's exactly the full truth, which it's not, there's more Are we not realizing it's a puppet government that's right now actively being funded by the U.S. government? So regardless of whether they're using the money they're getting from the U.S. government and spending it on this, it's still coming from the U.S. government. But it's more than that because we're going to show you where the funding actually comes from on paper. The point is, this is obviously Biolab, right? And all playing games and semantics with the words. It says not one to tolerate misinformation. The U.S. Embassy made a statement in April to set the record straight in 2020. That's it. So their argument is, well, we asked the U.S. government and they said fake news. So you're liars. That's it. That's what most of these people do. Their fact checks amount to asking what the U.S. government is doing. And they say, no, it's for vaccines. And they say, "Okay, it's for vaccines. Think about that. Now, here's an interesting tweet from Thomas Griffin. It shows a bunch of documents that you can't really verify. But I, I ended up finding at least some of them. So this starts off with a protocol, it says, to amend the agreement to establish a science and technology center in Ukraine. Apparently, this is from a 1993 agreement with Kiev. Now, it's talking about the personnel of the parties who are present in Ukraine in connection with the center of its project and activities shall be, according to the government of Ukraine, status equivalent to that accorded to administrative and technical staff under the Vienna Convention and diplomatic relations. And it gets into this idea of, you know, secrecy. The information transmitted under this agreement or developed as a result of it and considered by the U.S. Department of Defense as sensitive, so whatever they deem sensitive, as restricted information must be clearly designated and marked as such. Then it says the sensitive information of a foreign government and shall be withheld from public disclosure. That, that such information. So if this is just some kind of public lab grouping where they're just working on open things, why was there these declarations of keeping things quiet, sensitive, off the record, top secret? Information marked or designated by the U.S. Department of Defense as sensitive should be withheld from public disclosure. 
How does that make sense unless they're doing something they don't want you to see? The parties shall minimize the number of persons who have access to the information. During the implementation of the agreement, access to certain information and technology considered state secret of Ukraine may be provided to the U.S. Department of Defense in accordance with the provisions of the law of Ukraine on state secrets. Here it says the Kharkiv, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it looks reasonably close, Kharkiv, Kharkiv, maybe, Diagnostic Laboratory, Kharkiv Oblast Laboratory Center. Now, Oblast, as I understand it, is specifically, this is Kharkiv Oblast, but Oblast, I guess, is a province. I, that, that threw me in the beginning because I was looking at that, but ultimately the word you'll see repeated a lot of this stuff. So Kharkiv is the location, and they're basically saying the Kharkiv province. That's what that oblast would mean. in East, And this is specifically, Kharkiv is in eastern Ukraine, right? Very interesting. Oblast borders uh, Russia to the north, and guess what? Luhansk Oblast to the east, and the Donetsk, the Donetsk Oblast to the southeast. So this, this one location, which we just showed you was tied up with what we're talking about, from the earlier deals to make these biolabs, was one of the few locations they were focusing on is one of the is the most central location that that butts to Russia and these two locations of the separatists that seems very relevant now here is the document where it says in this location the donor is specifically the department of of defense and the of the united states in specifically Kharkiv center but there's more than just this one but i find this one to be the most relevant and you'll find at the bottom very clearly it says total cost of laboratory because and the donor being the united states government and meaning you your tax dollars are paying for these bio labs so why would they lie about that now there's multiple of these from other locations meaning there's multiple labs and the us government's paying for all of them now before we get into proving that document let's make sure we understand what they're trying to frame this as biological threat reduction program it says the program accomplishes its bio threat reduction mission through development of a bio risk management culture, international research partnerships, like we just pointed at, and partner capacity for enhanced biosecurity, biosafety, and biosurveillance measures. Okay, wait a minute. Didn't they just talk about how this was just a treaty about keeping people safe? And now we're, ba- well, that's how they're framing it. But remember, now we're getting into medical pre crime kind of stuff. The surveillance of biological material. This is where the Great Reset, this is the biosecurity state. Report outbreaks caused by dangerous pathogens before they pose security or stability threats. Current executive agents of the Biological Threat Reduction Program in Ukraine are the Ministry of Health. The Ukrainian Ministry of Defense received an official order from the Cabinet of Ministers of Ukraine concerning the development of the mobile labs to the regions of Kiev, Liev, and eastern Ukraine. That's the Donbass region. To help with the COVID-19 response. Oh, isn't that interesting? So we're talking about building biolabs that are being pointed at as potential bioweapons. And just so happens they made a specific point to make sure that they had something that was right up against these areas. I just find that very relevant. Could mean nothing. But then it says on April 11, 2020, President Zelensky visited the SED unit in Donetsk Oblast in 2020, right before this started, and familiarized himself with the capabilities of the mobile laboratories to help military and civilian people during the COVID, of course, about COVID-19. So right before this all started, he went over there and was, was making sure it was up to snuff. Could mean nothing, could mean everything. Down here it says, biosurveillance network of the Silk Road. Create well-functioning disease surveillance networks of the Eastern European regions. That includes Azerbaijan, Georgia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine. Interesting how they the biosurveillance, maybe they can just suddenly be like, there's going to be an outbreak right in this area where, you know, the whole Belt and Road Initiative and everything. You know, there's a lot of things that could be used for. Now, that's interesting in a lot of ways. Here's the main point. 
just so happened to see this over here about specifically the Kharkiv Diagnostic Laboratory. Every other one of these work, except that one. You click on it, nothing there. Site can't be reached. Oh, that's right. I want to show you this for, I'll show it next. Okay, but as I showed you before, we were able to get the Wayback Machine. And that's why this is so valuable today. And look at that. Just so happens to be the exact same document. And just so happens to say very clearly that the, the Department of Defense has funded this lab. Say it with me, guys. <laughs> Oops, they mixed that one up, didn't they? Well, if they're pretending this isn't real, if they're saying, nope, they didn't fund it, and that's the one sticky point they're using to say fake news, explain to me how the donor is listed as the U.S. government, and it lists the, the total cost of quite a bit of money. A million five, really. And of course, the most important part, their permit for working with pathogens that will be obtained after signing of the documents. And the, the, memor the terms of conditions and the, the memorandum of understanding, if I'm getting those acronyms correct. Okay. So on the record, by the way, and as you can see right here, make sure you don't miss, this is from the .gov website. It's just on the Wayback Machine. This is from the government. And it says beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're giving them permission to work with pathogens, that we're spending the money on the lab ourselves and putting it together. Isn't that fantastic? So they're lying to you. So good job, PolitiFact. Good job, USA Today. Good job, Bloomberg. You guys are really on top of this, right? Or you just toe the line for these people. Or interest, interesting engineering. Undoubtedly, the U.S. government. Now, going back to this tweet, recognize that he that, that Thomas is pointing out all these. Here's, the, here's another one from Ternopoli. These are all different laboratories doing the same thing, funded by the Department of Defense. Same point down here. Permit for working with the pathogens. Here's one. Here's another one. Here's another. It goes on and on. Now, my point for showing you this was just to tie the point together here from Zelensky in the Donetsk region from in April 2020. I just found it interesting that there just so happens to be a gigantic COVID-focused testing situation right in the Donetsk laboratory area. But on top of that, my question here was just to point this, just to float the idea. How much I, 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 we should consider whether the COVID-19 situation was being weaponized against these people or whether they were being tested on, or whether there was much more happening here, just because of what we know these people are and what we know has been going on around the world. And so he happened to visit this area. I just think it's very interesting to see how this all went forward. But I wanted to include this because it's Mariupol City, right? All these locations, they've been accusing them of doing things, and it just seems to be really focused. But going forward to continue to show you what's really going on in these areas, in contradiction to what the mainstream is bleeding about right now, here is a 2020 report, uh, study from December, December 2020, talking about the Kharkiv location and just making it clear that here they are, complete genomic sequence of salmonella and different, different things that they're working with viruses. They're not, this is not just some kind of experience. This is the kind of stuff they do when they are working with, this is dangerous work. So this is not just some treaty about safety. They are openly working with pathogens. We know it was funded by the U.S. government. We know this is an openly white supremacist government. This should be alarming to everybody. Oh, and just in case we want to tie this further together, here is Inkar Akiv using a PCR-based prevalence model back in 2020. Maybe trying to test this for future use. I don't know. Just something interesting to point out. And then, again, Inkar Akiv specifically, a gigantic laboratory for testing COVID-19. 
So there's crossover here. And who knows what's going on? This is the exact location. And I mean the exact location, the Kharkiv Oblast Laboratory Center, where they're openly doing the bio research that we just pointed to. And they're also testing people for COVID-19. Who knows what they're, what's happening and what they're doing. This, I wanted to dive into a little bit deeper. I found this to be incredible. U.S. official, Russian invasion of Ukraine risks release of dangerous pathogens. We already showed you this. This is February 25th. So as they're saying fake news, fake news, they're also quietly going, but we're worried there's things that we say don't exist are going to get out, right? Let me read you what this actually says in depth or a little further. The Russian invasion of Ukraine put at risk a network of U.S.-linked labs in Ukraine that work with dangerous pathogens. Right, right there, that challenges what they're trying to float in the mainstream right now. The director of the Cooperation Threat Reduction Program, a 30-year-old Defense Department program that has helped surf secure the former Soviet Union's weapons of mass destruction. Of course, it's an easy way to frame that. And redirect former bioweapons facilities and scientists toward peaceful endeavors. Or, that's the narrative you're being sown, all you did was take those things and make them even worse. Sort of like they did with the Nazis from World War II, the Dr. Ishii from Japan. You know, they didn't get rid of those things. They, they folded them into their government. The labs in Ukraine are not bioweapons facilities, says this article. The U.S. government maintains, right, right there. Oh, good. So you know they're not because the U.S. government says so? That's good journalism. That they are public and animal health labs operated by host countries. We just showed you that they're working on, they're working with diseases and playing like, playing with them like they, like Fauci's trying to pretend to something else. And, and then, of course, it goes on to say, and hosted by the country, operated by the host countries, although a long-running Russian disinformation campaign, they say, has painted a picture of a network of U.S. military labs in Ukraine, Georgia, and other former Soviet republics. Well, that's a fact, by the way. So just because you like to call it Russian disinformation doesn't, it's, it's an easy sidestep. We're supposed to think that's Russia bad guys, so I can just pretend it's not real without any due diligence. They're obviously there. We just proved it to you. But they're saying they're involved in risky bioweapons research. And because you asked them and they said no, well, we dismiss it, right? Pope said the labs conducted peaceful scientific research and disease surveillance. Outside experts have also said Pope's program is not a covert bioweapons operation. Oh, good. Thanks for letting us know. Well, I mean, we're really going to pretend they're going to go, yeah, yeah, it's a weapons program. It's a secret one. Go ahead and broadcast that to the world. While the United States isn't maintaining bioweapons facilities, according because they told him so, war could not, war could put pathogen collections in Ukraine at risk. I love how they're dancing this line. This is like saying, there's no, no, there's no white supremacists over there, but then saying, but they are there, but here's why you don't understand it. Well, these are white supremacists that are being funded and armed by the CIA for a very alarming destruction program. And they're openly talking about ethnic cleansing. They're openly talking about all sorts of things around the world. And we're allowing them to work with, even if it's for safety reasons, bio material. How does that even remotely make sense? See, that's why they're so desperately afraid of you truly understanding what these groups are. So they're coming, but Putin coming in, that could spin out this whole problem. The things that we're telling you aren't concerning, but the moment Putin steps in are now a problem. Well, why wouldn't they be equally concerning before that with a group that's obviously not even capable of conducting this stuff? The pathogens with which the Cooperative Threat Reduction Program labs work are generally kept frozen, so they can't replicate and become infectious. Again, that seems to completely contradict what PolitiFact is, or the rest of them are trying to pretend is happening. The risk the pathogens pose would increase if a building lost power and suffered damage. Yeah, which could happen at any time, all the time. What about a power outage? What about an EMP? What about a solar flare? Who cares, though? We're willing to risk your life in that context, but if Putin's responsible, we can't allow that. Think about how stupid that is. 
The pathogens in Ukrainian labs vary by facility, Pope said, but some can be characterized as presenting a concern in the Ukrainian environment. As an example, he cited African swine fever, which is highly contagious in pigs and has caused hundreds of outbreaks in Ukraine. <laughs> of course it has. I bet you my bottom dollar, that it's right around this lab. But, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. Some labs, he said, may hold pathogen strains left over from the Soviet bio program preserved in freezers. Why does that even make sense? Wouldn't you just get rid of these things? How is there a benefit to, to keeping bioweapons? Right? Their argument is we're doing this to make sure we study the natural things to be able to protect ourselves from them. But you just said they've got bioweapons they're holding on to in these labs. Right? There's no logic to that other than to continue to manipulate them and continue to hold bioweapons. Just because you scream vaccines and research doesn't change it. It's like screaming freedom while you murder people. It doesn't change the obvious reality. The program is encouraging host countries to reduce the scope of their pathogen holdings to as small a collection as necessary for legitimate research. So you just admitted that they have things that they don't need that are not necessarily on the path of research. So you're telling them, go ahead, white supremacist government that's openly killing people around the world. Go and just bring it down as you see fit and let us know. Really, the U.S. government has worked with 26 facilities in Ukraine. There it is. They're pretending that's fake news. They're openly telling you the U.S. government has worked with 26 facilities in Ukraine. Right, and they funded them and allowed them to work with pathogens, just like we just proved to you. Before the invasion, the program provided direct material support to six Ukrainian labs. The program also provides biosafety and scientific mentorship training to Ministry of Health personnel throughout the country. That seems to kind of challenge a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Well, here is even something more. Remember Victoria Newland? She's the one that was caught on the record, openly a part of this manipulation in Ukraine before in 2014, discussing who they were going to elect. You know, I'm being facetious, who they were going to put in power as the puppet government and frame them as a democratic election. Well, let's listen to what she has to say. Has uh, biological research facilities which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we. I mean, that's a really interesting thing to say. Right. So here's the here's the way to see this. The, regard, let's just say what they're saying is accurate, which is a huge if. I didn't say if, but you get the point. <laughs> let's just say that that's the case. So apparently under the Ukrainian government, which we proved to you is a very dangerous government, which people of the American, of the U.S. government, what was her name, Slotkin, for instance, reached out to Blinken and plenty of others, Newsweek and plenty of other mainstream outlets have been pointing at this and saying, these are dangerous people that are really immersed all the way throughout the government. But now they're not supposed to talk about it anymore. Right? They've all said that. They've all reached out. And it's okay, apparently, that those people work with these dangerous things because research, right? That's it. But the moment that Russia's government steps into the field, now it's dangerous. Right? Now it can be a dangerous thing. But doesn't that mean it could have been dangerous before? And the only reason you're framing it is not is because this side good guy, that side bad guy? Exactly. Despite the fact that we proved what these people are. And again, you could, that, you, that doesn't inherently mean Putin good. It just simply means we can recognize these are dangerous people being funded by the U.S. government just like happened in Syria. And they're in control of this stuff. 
And apparently when Putin comes in with his army, well, now we're really concerned. So then it also has to ask yourself, well, are they more than just research facilities? If that's so concerning to them, right? The point could simply be that there are dangerous things that we're keeping safe and that he could make them dangerous. The reality, though, is that if you're right now concerned, we should be concerned knowing who's concurrently in control. And I would say that about the U.S. government, too. We are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. Okay, she literally just vindicated what Delania is saying. Do you realize that? As they, as they go out of their way to call this fake news, she just said we are working with the Ukrainians to, to find out how to make this not a problem. Well, that's what they're doing. She, that's what she was reporting to you. They have been told, instructed to urgently destroy what's happened. And then they say fake news because we're pretending it's not a dangerous thing. But she just admitted that that's what they're doing. We're working with them to get this stuff not... Let me just play it again. Make, make sure it's exactly what she's saying. Has materials from can prevent any of those gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials. We're working with them, with the Ukrainians, <laughs> it's weird, on, to, on how they can prevent them from getting, that's literally what she's saying, right? You can hear that as, I mean, what else would that even mean? How are you working with them on how, on steps you can take to prevent them from getting them? That means destroying them, guys. What, are you going to put them in a cubby somewhere and lock it? Yeah, that'll work. I mean, come on. This is just childish the way that they pretend. It's, it's all the way they just sidestep everything and they claim everything. It, it bothers me, as I'm sure you can tell. But that's vindicated now. She's on the record. And here's another one. Um, I only have a minute left. Let me ask you. Um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons. In the Isn't it funny how it's just by default a propaganda? Did they, did they prove that? No, it is default propaganda because Russian said so, and we're on Ukraine side. It's just so dumb how we play this game. I'm not saying I know for sure it's true, but like I said the other day, when you when Russia's pointing out that they, they said Ukraine is planting explosives in this nuclear facility, I'm not taking it at face value, but damn it, I'm going to say possible. To, I mean, why wouldn't we consider it? That's it's just they just love to frame this as however they want it to be. Right. I'm sure you've seen the propaganda that we've never called. We've never proven as propaganda. How could we possibly know? Are we are we saying Ukraine's not capable of doing that? Of course they are. They're dangerous, bad people you're funding. They just don't care. Groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda 
the groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100 percent it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Oh, you mean accuse them of that which you are guilty? You see what I mean? How ridiculous. Now, I'm sure they use that tactic too. I guarantee they do. But are these people pretending? I mean, these are embarrassing people. Like the way that they still, Putin's war machine, right? Really? Like you have no sense of, uh, of irony standing there calling something else a war machine? Or the fact that you're, you don't accuse everybody of everything you're doing all the time? I mean, God, that's embarrassing. But listen to the way he says this. I mean, it's just so funny how they're trying to make the, are, are you sure the hundred percent certain? Like that was a, contra- a weird way to say that because he's just making sure she knows what she's supposed to Biological say. or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine. Is there any doubt in your mind? That's all you'd have to say. Is there any doubt in your mind that this is the, this will be the Russians? But he says, is there any doubt in your mind? That 100%. At 100%. That, that doesn't even make sense to be quite honest. These people are not very bright. I always tell you guys that. But the point nonetheless is that they just wanted this on the record. Ask this open manipulator who's always going to point at Russia what she thinks. Is it Russia? Yes. Okay, there we go. Fake news, or excuse me, done over real. (laughs) That's all it is. Where's the evidence? Why would you just know? How could you possibly just know for sure that it would be Russia if something happened tomorrow? How stupid is that? It's just because they want to set that tone. If it happens tomorrow, it will be Russia. Caitlin Johnstone made a great article about this when it happened in Syria, remember? where it came out, where they said, if something happens tomorrow, it will be Assad. And then something happened. They said, we told you. That's it. That's all they need. Narrative is all they use today. So that's what it is. And Newland is a classic manipulator. She was already part in the very beginning of manipulating this regime change to drive us here. She's part of the agenda, 100%. Play the, I'll play, you can play that video again. Look up the one we just played in the beginning from 2014, or in regard to 2014 from Storm's Cloud Gathering. Now, of course, this brings us to the idea that we are being manipulated as we're proving this to think this is just about the right side, because that's the point, guys. It's about linking all of this to the right conservative side of this and framing it in this country and laying it at their feet as some kind of domestic terrorism plot. And anybody like me that's being objective about it is also going to be called a terrorist. That's what this is. False claims of U.S. biolabs literally happening. Grip QAnon because they're right. Not about even remotely half of what they're, not even most of what they're saying. But in this case, the fact that they have labs that are very clearly, in my opinion, doing research for weapons. Yes, all of these labs are like that. There is not a single one of these labs in my mind that exists that is not actively working towards research for bioweapons. That's the fact. Because it's been admitted by plenty of insiders. It's been, I mean, even when they came out with things like the Insect Allies program, what did they say? You're lying. It's not about defense. You are clearly making a weapon. And that's what they always say, guys, the dual purpose of these things. Just because they make something and call it research doesn't mean it can't be weaponized. They know that. They just play the game. Now here is just one last point on this, and we'll jump over, I, you know, which I, I always say this. Didn't expect that to take so long. So I apologize for those that were hoping to hear the COVID stuff out of the gate. We're going to do that now. The bio labs in your backyard. The Organic Consumers Association, 
this is this is what I, this is what we need to leave this with in regard to where what you know speak up about this. This is from March second. Stop the next pandemic before it starts. Have you signed the petition to stop the genetic engineering of dangerous viruses? We're about to launch the Stop Weaponizing Pathogens campaign to stop the next pandemic before it starts. We need to hear from you about the bio labs in your backyard. There are 14 biosafety bio level 4 BSL-4 labs in the United States. If you count biosafety level 3 or BSL-3, there are more than 200. And that's from the a USA Today investigation, which probably undershoots it a hell of a lot. That's in 2015. Even more high contain, uh, containment labs are operating now. If you're in Maryland, like I am, this author, you're in the belly of the biolab beast, where three BSL-4 and 13 BSL-3 labs are in operation. That's what's really going on, guys. And we need to recognize that. Just to add this one last point, because it's it's short. We have over 1,300 documented cancer victims right now, just in a one-mile radius. I'll be quite honest with you, it's changed my life so radically. Sometimes I don't even know who I am. 1,300 people in a one-mile radius. And what's causing so much sickness? It turns out all these victims have one thing in common. They live next to a military base called Fort Detrick. Exactly. Right. And I know you guys have seen that, but just we have to recognize how real this is. And who and if this is and if this is even possible, who the real villains in the situation are in regard to us. Now, COVID-19. This is a this, this conversation. Is so obviously connected. That's why the bioweapon conversation is so interesting because there's such an obvious crossover here. So I want to start out by pointing out that do you realize they've continued this argument of fear-mongering around COVID-19. More than 6 million people worldwide have died from COVID. Now, right now, if you were like, okay, when did we first hear about tuberculosis? Okay, how long has it been going on? Okay, do we add up every year and just add up all the deaths and be like, 700 million people have died from tuberculosis? No, because it was ridiculous. Why are they still? Why are we still just running tally for COVID? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's just about keeping the number high so you think you're in danger. That's all it's ever been about. Because never has this actually been a concern for the vast majority of people. That's already been so clearly shown. It's ridiculous. They're telling you you're at less risk from the flu with the statistics they release while screaming that you're going to die because they're dishonest. But apparently, six million. In what context? Over how long a period of time? Right. This is just they just keep this going. And that's using numbers that they've already admitted are wildly overshot for your safety, of course. But then we still promote it as the exact number because you're a liar. This is crazy, but they're using this to push a lot of other things. And I don't want us to miss that regardless of the Russia, Ukraine, all this stuff happening, that there's always been a coordination to the larger agenda. Before that started, here's what Russia and China put out in their joint statement, February 4th. Just don't miss how clearly this is about the larger piece. The Russian side confirms its readiness to continue working on the China-proposed global development initiative, including participation in the activities of the group of friends of the global development initiative under the UN auspices, in order to accelerate the implementation of the UN 2030 agenda for sustainable development. The sides call on the international community to take practical steps in key areas of cooperation, such as poverty reduction, food security, vaccines, and epidemics control. Look at that. Financing for development, climate change, sustainable development, including green development, industrialization, digital economy, and infrastructure connectivity. That's the Great Reset. 
All the sides call on the international community to create open, equal, fair, and non-discriminatory conditions for scientific and technological developments, to step up practical implementation of scientific and technological advances in order to identify new drivers of economic growth. People in the chat pointing out that there's interesting historical connections to the 6 million number in general. The point, nonetheless, is that this is about something that is so overblown in so many obvious ways. Right, we're talking a PCR test. The false positives are obviously one part of that. I mean, there's a thousand ways they've admitted combining flu and pneumonia with the number. So how stupid is it? They just keep, you know. So why? Do, I mean, there's you guys read into how you want. There's obvious ways that there's always ways they seed certain things in our minds. But it says here the sides are taking serious action and making an important contribution to the fight against climate change. They're all on the same page, guys. Jointly celebrating the 30th anniversary of the adoption of the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. They reaffirm their commitment to this convention, as well as to the goals, principles, and provisions of the Paris Agreement, including the principle of common but differentiated responsibilities. Expect that developed countries will actually ensure the annual provision of $100 billion of climate finance, climate finance to developing states. That's exactly like the COVID situation where you're going to get money if you tow the right lines. The sides oppose the, the sides oppose uh, these sides oppose setting up new barriers in international trade under the pretext of fighting climate change. The sides strongly support and they're talking about China and Russia uh, strongly support the development of international cooperation and exchanges in the fields of biological diversity. Focusing on the fight against COVID-19 pandemic as a focus in this entire discussion, further in increase cooperation in the development and manufacture of vaccines against new coronavirus infections, all of them on board with this, guys, lockstep, as well as medical drugs for its treatment and enhanced coll- collaboration in public health and modern medicine. Like, why is this still a focus? Didn't we just all roll this back and we're all talking about how this is, oh, Ukraine, Russia, we're not even talking about it, but still it's being driven forward aggressively. The sides plan to strengthen coordination on epidemiological measures to ensure strong protection of health, safety, and order in contacts between citizens of the two countries. Of course, from the U.S. perspective, they'd be like, well, that's not what they mean. They're going to use this to do so. Well, that's exactly what we're saying about you. So it's funny how on only one side, <laughs> it's funny how it works. The point is that any government, in my opinion, drools, salivates about what this is presenting because it gives them so much control, it blows their mind. So as they may actually be fighting odds against what's going on on the ground, they're all in line with this agenda. We need to see that. Establishing a joint mechanism for epidemic control and prevention in the border areas to jointly plan anti-epidemic measures to be taken at the border checkpoints, share information, build infrastructure, and improve the efficacy of customs clearance of goods. I think that was it. Maybe it was one more point. No, was it. Just to see that this is stated openly that this is their direction across the board. And recognize, guys, that this is where it's been building to, your new normal. And the point is, that's what they've been saying long before, like like telling us that this is, like, we're going to get back to normal while constantly telling you that this was your new normal. Like, like the many other contradictory points they were making. Agenda 21 is dependent on the Hegelian dialectic, and that says that a crisis is created and a solution is posed and the balance between the two then becomes the new normal and the balance between the two then becomes the new normal which is something that you never would have accepted but now that there's a crisis then you are forced or pressured to accept this new this new solution 
Now imagine a world where mass outbreaks of deadly diseases are commonplace. Well, it sounds scary, but that might not be too far off. The World Health Organization has warned in a BBC interview that we're entering a new phase where such a reality is, quote, a new normal. As the coronavirus pandemic brings life across the country to a grinding halt, Americans are facing a new normal. It is a new normal that we all have to get used to. I know a big question, Tom, from a lot of New Yorkers. When might we ever get back to normal? Uh, the mm -hmm. governor talked today about working toward a new normal. So we're going to a different place, which is a new normal. So, Bill, you know, here we are. Um, many people are aware that, that you warned of this in the New England Journal of Medicine and, and during a TED Talk just a couple of years back. So what do we need to do uh, right now in order to reopen the country to get back to, you know, some sort of normalcy and, and sort of set a new normal, whatever the new normal is? Well, I, I will say it's three phases. The acute phase we're in now the semi-normal phase until we get a vaccine and the semi-normal phase until we get a vaccine and then the truly normal phase after the vaccine has protected all of us. Agenda 21 is dependent on the Hegelian dialectic and that says that a crisis is created and a solution is posed and the balance between the two then becomes the new normal. 2012. Something that you never would have accepted. But now that there's a crisis, then you are forced or pressured to accept this new, this new solution. COVID is the world's new normal. COVID is the world's new normal. That was Rosa speaking, who sadly passed, who you know is no longer with us, age, speaking on Agenda 21 in 2012. That news report was in 2019. So recognize that they were already telling you that the, the idea of being in a situation where pandemics ruled your life was going to be the new normal back in 2019. Don't miss how obvious that is. But we're all crazy, right? How would you even make sense of that? How would you even deem that crazy? How would anybody be able to point at that using the term new normal and then say, it's just, it's so ridiculous. That if we don't get one disease under control, you may find legislative bodies taking whole classes of people based upon propensity of conduct well, to say, we're going to put you in a certain category. We're going to demand mandatory testing for you. We will not be ever having to go back to pre-COVID levels. We're always going to have to be mindful that COVID exists. We're going to have to engage with booster shots. We're going to have to engage with advice from time to time. When we see outbreaks, we're going to have to respond. So it's, it's not going to go back to normal. We can't deny that we're going to have to live with COVID. Um, but having those very high vaccination levels will allow us to have more minimal restrictions or more minimal um, public health measures in place as we, as we navigate the future years. With now, what's funny is that little that graph that came up, you know, 70% with the first dose, then we'll go back to normal. Yeah, that didn't happen. They just lied, moved to the next step, moved the goalpost yet again. It, this is never ending, but people have been hooked into it. You know, here, here is the, just a quick tie back to the Ukraine discussion, but it ties back in that we showed this on the other show uh, yesterday. You didn't see it. Yeah, you know, let's take a listen to what she says that she's fighting for. I find this very interesting. 
Uh, for the residents in our country, when we did not agree with what was going on with uh, the direction of where we're moving in. But right now, it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries. We know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order. That's right. How obvious is that? I mean, it's just really ridiculous how they keep shoving it in your face. It's not by accident. They want this to be something that you consider that, you know, that you, they want to downplay its reality while making sure that we see it too. Now, here is a video from 2021 from Microsoft, of all people, just simply titled, Welcome to the New Normal. How perfect. Because remember, it's always, they've been telling you if you were actually paying attention. This is your future. You're never going back to that even that wasn't normal before. It's time to reimagine teamwork to help you stay productive. They've always been telling you if you were just paying attention. Oh, and by the way, just on a quick side note in their reimagined future, guess who's coming back into play? The Clinton Global Initiative, right? Because they weren't completely exposed a thousand times over. Those people from Boston didn't come out and expose how it was pay for play and show all the documents and prove they were criminals and no one did anything about it. Nah, Trump didn't do anything. That None of that happened. No, they're just coming right back into play. And you know why? Because Mr. Clinton himself, Bill Clinton said he wants to bring back the initiative because the kind of cooperation and coordination it created or robbed people of or murdered, but, you know, different conversation is urgently needed. He said, quote, the COVID-19 pandemic has ripped the cover off the longstanding inequities and vulnerabilities across the global community. Yeah, the very things that you have actively stepped on, abused and, and taken advantage of at every single turn. And now you're going to do it again. Bill Clinton wrote in the latter in the letter Friday, this the existential threat of climate change happened right back in grows every day. They said democracy is under assault around the world. And guess what? The most glaring in Ukraine where Russia has launched an unjustified, unprovoked invasion. Unprovoked, he says, totally unprovoked, despite the 47 actions the U.S. government took to try to get them to go. But that's that's all in this. That's all for freedom, though. That has put millions of lives in danger. Great. So the Clinton, the, the one of the most nefarious and openly dishonest groups is now back in play because we don't care. Well, just in case you didn't understand what happened, don't forget Haiti. You know, the place that failed the promise of the U.S. aid. A decade later, nothing better symbolizes the failure of these efforts than a story of Newport that pros promised but never got built. And that's from the Clinton initiative that took advantage, that abused. And by the way, everyone that spoke up about it is no longer with us today. Sort of like the politicians from Haiti that suddenly took their own lives out of nowhere, or maybe this doctor who suddenly took his own life out of nowhere, who was outright, outright exposing what they actually did. Let's take a quick look in case you forgot this article I wrote back in 2017, back when I was still writing articles. I, I should still do that. I love writing articles. It just takes time and I'm focused on the current second moments and everything. But let me just risk in case you forgot about this. If you don't understand the situation in Haiti, please take time to look into this because it's undeniable now. And that same group is about to come back into power. Their global initiative completely tied into the current political spectrum and they will abuse everything. Doctor who exposed Clinton Foundation corruption in Haiti found dead. One of the many just tied to Haiti, by the way, not even the many in regard to the people tied to Clintons who mysteriously show up dead after they called them out, but no, just Haiti. And many of them mysteriously died. Yet another individual involved with exposing the fraud of the Clinton Foundation, to the surprise of no one, has turned up dead. This time with a knife in the chest, 
not a joke, right in the chest, right in the middle. Yet for all those well-versed on the many oddities and inconsistencies that always seem to follow the mysterious deaths in relation to the Clinton family, even a knife in the chest will not seem to officially rule out the proclamation of suicide, or as those privy to the previous cases have taken to calling it being suicided. Think about how ridiculous it is that someone's going to take a, a, a butcher knife and stab it directly into the middle of their chest. That's crazy. But more to that, I mean, there. Well, I could just I says uh, in the case of Dr. Dean Lorick, a prominent Manhattan surgeon, a surgeon of all people, who would take it. Who, that's just absurd. Was sadly found dead on the bathroom floor of his apartment by his 11-year-old daughter. Dr. Lorick was known for many different aspects of his career. Yet one particular aspect seemed to stand out, and that was his desire to expose the staggering inadequacies of the medical trauma care that was promised to the Haitian people by the Clinton Foundation after it had raised over $30 million in donations following the earthquake. None of that, a fraction, actually went to the Haiti people. And the point is that this person allegedly took his own life by stabbing himself in the chest with a butcher knife in, while his daughter was home. I mean, it, now, you, sure, possible, but listen to what he was saying before this all happened. In January of 2010, Dr. Lorick decided to send an email to a confidant detailing his affront to the Haitian, this affront to the Haitian people, which ended up being forwarded, of course, to Cheryl Mills, who at the time was chief of staff to none other than the, secret, none other than the Secretary of State Hillary Clinton herself. Now, the doctor's correspondence provided by WikiLeaks was highly critical of how the situation in Haiti was being handled. Quote, Disaster management on the ground was non-existent. $30 million, non-existent. Cheerios on the tarmac are not getting it done on these patients, which clearly would be salvable if good care would urgently be provided. So all he needed was supplies, and they weren't doing anything. While this in and of itself is quite damning, considering how the, uh, the anguish of the Haitian people had been used to garner funds that were clearly not being used appropriately, this email was only a prelude to what came next. Dr. Lorick then publicly declared, decried, the horribly inept conditions in Haiti within a CNN piece entitled, Doctors, Haiti Medical Situation Shameful. So even CNN put it out there, but now it's still fake news. Quote, once we arrived, we saw a severely damaged hospital. This is supposed to be the hospital that they were funding. The severely damaged hospital with no running water, only limited electrical power supplied by a generator. $30 million, guys. Surgeries were being performed in the equivalent of a large storage closet where amputations were performed with hacksaws. This is a horror film. This facility could not nearly accommodate our equipment nor our expertise to treat the volume of injuries we saw. And yeah, this, this is why this guy apparently killed himself, right? He also went on to say, we found scores of patients with pus dripping out of open extremities, fractures and crushed injuries. Some wounds were already rigging, excuse me, ridden with maggots. I apologize how gross that is. About a third of these victims were children. The entire hospital smelled of infected, rotting limbs and death. Later on, we would judge our surgical progress by the diminishment of the stench. In our naive and our naivety, we didn't expect that the two anesthesia machines would not work. That there would be only one cautery available to cauterize wounds in the entire hospital to stop bleeding. That an operating room sterilizer fit only instruments the size of a cigar box. That there would be no sterile saline, no functioning fluoros fluoroscopy machine. 
No blood for transfusions. No ability to do lab work. And the only local staff was a ragtag group of voluntary health providers who, like us, had made it there on their own. As they left this horrific situation that can only be described as a willful disregard of human rights by the Clinton Foundation and the outright deception of a struggling people, what they saw simply added insult to injury. Dr. Lorick wrote, quote, upon our departure, we witnessed pallets of Cheerios and dried goods sitting on the tarmac helping nobody. Yet our flight of critical medical equipment and personnel had been canceled. And the equipment that did get through was hijacked. And this is the Clinton Foundation, guys. Here's another one, by the way. Haiti official who exposed the Clinton Foundation found dead. Fiance of former U.S. ambassador speaks out about Benghazi DNC lawsuits and mysterious murders. Ben Swan exposed the truth about U.S. foreign aid and the Clinton Foundation. Haiti, read every one of these because it's damning. Now, just for that, I, I felt it was necessary to go off the path for a second and just recognize how crazy it is that these people are stepping back into power. Do you realize the, re the why the global initiative went away? Because they were over overtly criminal. They were being called out for crimes. They were holding hearings about how criminal to pay for play. And so they just quietly went away for a minute. Now they're coming back because we live in one of the most corrupt countries on the planet, guys. It's time to admit that. It's, it doesn't mean it, it reflects on the American people. We're being lied to. This government is disgustingly corrupt. And they just don't care. They just don't care. Now back to the COVID-19 discussion. Actually, here, let me close some stuff real quick. There we go. This is an important clip. And I just want to play a couple parts of it to show you where this direction is going. Now, coming back to where we kind of were coming off of on this, the idea of the Great Reset direction, COVID-19, right? The way this is all going, regardless of where it's coming from, foreign policy, whatever else, right? Here's what Ukraine just, this is why it's hard. This All of this is so crossed over, the labs and everything. And that's not my accident. This is Ukraine's cabinet announcing a transition to a wartime economy, which is a nice way of saying, which they do say in this, to martial law. I don't see Russia declaring martial law. Here's Ukraine declaring martial law. Now, you could argue that even makes sense if they were being, because they're being invaded, right? But nonetheless, I just want us to recognize how interesting this is that ties back into all we're talking about. And then the point that what? We're transitioning to a digital economy in the middle of an invasion, because that makes sense, right? I've heard discussions around this, it, that the money they're going to be giving out can't be being hinging on vaccine status. There's a lot of things being floated around this. But just listen to the first parts of this. Oh, I think, uh, let me make sure I didn't download this. Heroic people of Ukraine, it is the 11th day of the war. We are proud of all those who are fighting the battle for the free people of Ukraine. We are proud of the Ukrainian military, rescuers, volunteers, medics, railway medics, energy workers, all of you, all of you who continue to work and ensure the functioning of vital state spheres. And of course, the white supremacist government and battalions that are committing ethnic cleansing, because we respect them too, we just don't say it out loud. We are proud of Ukrainians who, despite the presence of the Russian occupant, come out to pro-Ukrainian rallies and speak out against the Russian rule. World. Proud of all of you, Russian occupation troops, as to speak out against the Russian world. Like, he can't even hide it. Like, that's not just the government, guys. 
They hate the Russian ideology. They hate the Russian people. They hate, that's why they're openly talking about ethnically cleansing them. And that's why the separatists and the predominantly Russian-speaking separatists and, the, and predominantly Russian-speaking Crimea ran away from this group because they're openly white supremacists and they're openly trying to take these people out. It's obvious what's been happening to the Donbass region for eight years. It, he just openly said the Russian world. It's not just the government. And that's why all these companies are taking action against anything Russian anywhere. And most of it's hurting the Russian people. All of you, Russian occupation troops, Ukrainian rallies and speak out against the Russian world. Proud of all of you, Russian occupation troops are suffering significant losses. Hundreds of international companies are seizing operations in Russia. They stop production, they ban sales. And while Russia is losing on all fronts, we must quickly adjust to a martial law economy. A martial law economy. Now I'll let you finish this in general. The point is he's talking about creating a digital economy. Let me, let me just jump to that real quick. So you can hear. Have the efficient operation of all necessary enterprises, mobilize resources and create new logistics. I call on the local authorities, those regions that are now behind the lines. You are meeting the challenge of housing the evacuees with dignity. Now it's time to provide them with jobs. Prior to the war, we discussed a great deal about industrial parks. Now it's for developing enterprises which will work for the sake of our working and to those who have evacuated to other producing. The state needs your help today more than ever. I call on all Ukrainians. The war was a shock for next week. An updated program of e-support will begin to work. Under this program, every employee will redirect 639 million euros from other projects to the state budget of Ukraine. Yeah, I plan to listen to this through, but I'm trying, I, I don't, I want to get through the rest of this before it gets past three hours. But the point is, it why would they transition to a digital economy to and, and use a martial law economy to do it? Like they're, they're one and the same. They're saying martial law economy and they're talking about transitioning to a digital scenario. And they're using that to pay people out that lost jobs or whatever else. And there's been a lot of conversation. I mean, look, they're openly the ones talking about this weird push for COVID-19 and all of this ties together. Why in the world would it make sense to make this transition in the middle of all that's happening? Because that's the direction it's all going. This seemed to be sort of a testing ground for a lot of the stuff that's happening here. Now, here is the larger point. Weirdly say, happening at the same time, right? How can you have a digital vaccine passport for the world if countries don't have a digital economy or any kind of system where that can work, right? Well, here is uh, Deutsche Telekom to build a global COVID vaccine verification app for the WHO. Yeah, this is happening now, right? Because I thought COVID was over, right? This is February 23rd. The guys, this is before the whole thing started. I'm surprised. I can't believe I didn't see this. Isn't it interesting that two days later, this all be, I mean, even before this, all, all of February, the U.S. government was screaming about Russia, 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 Russia. And, that, and that's probably why everybody missed this. That's not, that shouldn't surprise anybody. The QR code based software solution, QR codes. Well, I've been talking about that from long before this ever started. They're very suspicious to me because of a lot of ways they can be manipulated. And I'm going to play a clip for you in a second that makes it even more clear. The financial details of the transaction, of course, weren't disclosed because how, why would we let you know how we're going to control your lives? T-Systems previously worked with SAP uh, to develop Germany's Corona Warn app tracing and verification app, right? And the Europe-wide digital COVID-19 vaccine verification system. Yeah, totally not related. This is this is a control structure. And it doesn't have to be just about vaccines. That's how it's going to start. But it's going to be used to control your life. 
social credit, social impact investing, like Derek and I talked about. Please make sure to read Derek's article about this. I should have pulled this up in the first place. This, this is an important one. In my opinion, this one, like right now, the Ukraine new Al-Qaeda article and Derek's recent one about the social, th- these are two of the most important articles right now on the website because of how clear this is the direction. Social impact finance or social impact investing is terrifying to me. This is them basically betting on if they can get you to do what they deem to be the right thing. And we already know that the word right doesn't even matter and factor into what they're doing. They just say it's what they, whatever we do is the right thing. They're going to see if they can influence you in that a certain direction. And then we also point out that this whole concept, it just happens to omit that they can go both ways, which means they can also decide to try to profit off influencing negative outcomes. But we don't talk about that. This is a really important one, guys. It really is. And I just can't stress that enough. But going forward, here is London Brood. And this is interesting to me because this is, the way that this is framed, it just, it's almost comical. That you are the only last holdout, right? I don't even know why that would be like, okay, here's the idea that we're talking about trust the science, right? Trust the science. Always trust the science. Except when we don't agree with it. I'm proud to say that as of today, the city of San Francisco is the only city to continue the vaccine passport system. Now, why would you stand up and declare that? Doesn't there aren't, You're basically standing up and saying, because understand, the, they've been rolling this back. So the, the, the quote-unquote science, which is not what's actually happening, but that's how they frame it, is it's, it's sort of like when they came out and said, you don't have to wear masks anymore. There was no science that was arguing that, or rather there really was from the very beginning. They just finally, be, I guess, decided to point at it. It's always showed you that it didn't have any effect. But the point is when they said that, plenty of people said, no, I'm going to keep wearing it. Which means, okay, I'm going to trust it up until my fear overcomes that. So you never actually trusted anything. You trusted fear. So here's somebody who's pretending to trust the science, who when the fake science says you can no longer do it, they go, we're going to keep doing it anyway. because science. How stupid is that? So nothing is sacred because they do what they want and they frame it as science. I'm proud to say I'm the only city keeping this going. Well, this is just continue. The world's doing it anyway. That's the point. She goes, I was the first mayor to impose the system. And others soon followed like Marines first in, last out. How ridiculous. This person has no, I, I would argue this is just a virtue signaling idiot who has no idea what's actually going on. And they are just creating something that's going to subjugate the human race pretty much. And it's alarming as hell to me. Like why we can't see what this is being built into is beyond me. And they're just, I mean, even the fact that I just said it like that, people are like, oh, what a conspiracy theorist. And it's just so sad that we can't recognize what they're telling you. Like what people like Klaus and plenty of others are openly telling you. Here is how these, these QR code systems can actively be manipulated. And this is crazy because this I, I didn't even think about this. Plenty of other ways than just this, by the way. But this one I found to be really interesting. And I've been screaming about the QR thing as really suspicious to me when they've really... I remember when this big push for QR codes came out right before this all kicked off? That wasn't by accident. Huh. Is that gold? Yeah, it is right there. Don't want your bank account wiped out by scammers? Stop scanning these QR codes when you're out in public. Here's why. 
lot of these businesses place these QR codes or in front general. of their doors or inside because they want to offer customers special deals or discounts or even ways to pay. But what hackers are doing now is that they're printing out their own QR codes on stickers and they are placing it on top of the original QR code that the business have and you will never even know it. So Look now when you scan the hacker's QR code, you are now giving them all your personal information as well as all your banking information. Now think about that in the context of the secure passport system they're creating, right? I, it's it's just so silly. And I'm just glancing over, like someone's talking about dumping the smartphones. Yeah, Corey Morningstar, definitely somebody you guys should be paying attention to. That's exactly the point. That's why we talked about things like the above phone, all right? Which, I mean, these are things I'm still trying to incorporate into my life, by the way. I'm already, I'm already working with Linux and trying to get all these things worked into my life. The idea of the smartphone is your subjugation right now. Like, that's how they're tracking and controlling and everything else. We need to work away from these things. But this is how flimsy the system is. It's just as simple as that. And whether it's a sticker or not, these are things that are not secure. And I've been saying this from the beginning, but this is the whole, this is built on the whole thing. If you go on Google, you can see so many articles of people getting their entire bank accounts wiped out. And Dr. Oz actually did an entire expose on this exact subject. You need to check out that video. It's really good. Don't become a victim and have your entire bank account wiped out simply by using a QR code. Be safe, be smart, and use wisdom. Now, what's crazy about that, and great, Vladdy did the video, check him out. The point is that he, it's, it's out there. Dr. Oz talks about it. There's been multiple articles about it. But yet, I argue, nobody knows that. Nobody. Because the par the media, the, the, the main channels and their main parroted talking points that the majority of the non-thinking followers listen to don't get it because they don't say it there. They float these side things and they pretend it's out there. This is alarming where this is all going, but they, they're not going to get into it. Now, here is an interesting part about the way that they're framing how they make this stuff, I guess, no longer violations of your rights. This is from the UK. Human Rights Act Reform. I mean, just that title should scare you, knowing who these people are. It says, it may be your country, but most likely soon coming to all countries. Thank you, Deb, for pointing this out. Here's what it says. Human Rights Act reform. That's never a good thing coming from these kind of governments because all they're doing is adding what they want. It's equivocation, manipulation, right? Human rights are not something you reform. They're, all, they're absolute, but not anymore. Not according to the UK government. Our system must strike the proper balance of rights and responsibilities, individual liberty and public interest, rigorous judicial interpretation, and of course, respect for the authority of elected lawmakers. Do you not realize what that literally says? So now... The res if you don't, the respect for lawmakers needs to be balanced with your rights, which means at some point they're going to overlap and respect for lawmakers will take the precedent or responsibilities or your individual liberty or public interest. So again, whether maybe they go, oh, well, getting an injection is in the public interest. Therefore, it's not a violation of your rights. There you go. Welcome to the UK where now you no longer have rights if they say so. Or really, as we know, everywhere. That's where this has been going. Just think about that, guys. They're actually editing your human rights in real time. Here's another part. Number three, we will overhaul the Human Rights Act passed by the then Labor governor government in 1998 and restore common sense. Okay, so right out of the gate, arguing that your human rights up until now have been not sensical. That's crazy. And restore common sense to the application of human rights in the UK. They're, they're saying what you've been doing, it's ridiculous. There's no common sense to it. We will remain faithful to the basic principles of human rights. Yeah, yeah, right. That's like them always saying, we're going to do things that violate your privacy, but we're going to respect your privacy. How stupid is that? 
and says, which we sign up to in the original European Convention of Human Rights. Also, because we sign this thing that we don't respect, that of course we will. The Bill of Rights will protect essential rights. You know how stupid that is to just point that that thing will protect you. We don't respect it. We never look at it. We never acknowledge it, but it will protect you by virtue of being there that we don't look at it. Like the right to fair trial and the right to life, which they violate all the damn time, which are a fundamental part of modern democratic society. But we like, like being sick until proven healthy or guilty until proven innocent, like we are in this country right now. That's a fact, by the way. When you're put in jail pre-trial before something's been decided, you're guilty until proven innocent. Right? When not when the vast majority of cases in the judicial process plead out, you're no you don't have a judicial process. That's how this works. And the, the and the poor people don't have the ability to negotiate. That's how this works. You're not in a democratic society if we even wanted that. But here's the worst part. But we will reverse the mission creep that has meant human rights law being used for more and more purposes and often with little regard for the rights of wider society. God, that's incredibly Orwellian and disgusting. Not only do they use the term that we, this is intentional. They're trying to use mission creep, which by the way means how the government uses their freedom missions. Like we're going to go over here for to give aid. And then suddenly because we're there, we feel op- obligated to act. And now suddenly we're involved in this war. And now that we're involved in the war, well, now we have to do this and supply weapons because now we're here. That's mission creep. The point was they always intended intended to do that, and they just pretend we're obligated now that we're doing. Now they're trying to pretend that your human rights have been involved in mission creep. That how dare we let human rights get out of control? How about we would acknowledge that mission creep of human rights is a good thing? The more human rights we should have, I mean, they're framing. They're saying you've got too many rights. It's getting a little out of control. We need to pull these back a little bit. I mean, why are we not outraged by this? And then we meant that rights being used for more and more purposes? Oh, no, we can't allow that. Number six, the Bill of Rights will make sure a proper, a proper balance is struck between your rights, of course, and personal responsibility and the wider public interest. Right. All they're making, all this is about, guys, is the next time they want to drive this in, now they've got it written down that you don't get to point to your rights when we say your public interest is more important. So the next time we have a scare, we're going to force the injection in your arm. Well, because the public interest demands it because we said so. So all this is, is a, the last, gra- this, your, your rights have just gone away. If they were ever really there to begin with. If they can remove them on a whim because they say so, they're not really there to begin with. Welcome to the new normal. And now this is an interesting point that was pointed out by Conspiracy Mill. It says, I found the page where our government proudly admits that they've been providing hospitals with cash incentives for administering ineffective and sometimes deadly protocols. It says, Medicare will provide an enhanced payment. Oh, we'll read through them. Uh, the point is right down here, it says, so when you're wondering why your loved one was told to get to, quote, get lots of rest and fluids and report to the ER when you can't breathe, which like my father was, here's some aspirin, come back when you're dying and then was refused efficacious treatment and loaded up with remdesivir and put on a ventilator till their organs gave out. Well, now you know why. Check this out. This is from CMS.gov, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. CMS issues an interim final rule. Uh, and by the way, this, this was issued, as you can see, on August 23rd, 2020. And here's there's a Wayback Machine version in case it goes away. CMS issued an interim final rule with comment period that established the new COVID-19 treatments add-on payment, or NCTAP, 
under the Medicare inpatient perspective payment systems. Now, you guys have mostly seen this. Dr. Jensen pointed this out. It's designed to mitigate potential financial disincentives for hospitals to provide new treatments. Well, how dare we disincentivize them from blindly using something before they know it's working? We want to make sure we go the other way. We want to incentivize the use of these things regardless of whether they're safe, right? Now it says, and and this, by the way, is going to continue until the end of this public health emergency, which is never, it's always going to be there. I mean, we're three years in it and we're, we're on another topic, but apparently we're still in the emergency for COVID. They keep renewing it every 90 days. They're going to do that forever. Though the NCT, NCTAP, through that, the Medicare program will provide an enhanced payment. Look at that. I mean, that's, that's fake news, according to anybody in the mainstream media. They're going to give you extra money for eligible inpatient cases that use certain new products with current FDA approval or emergency authorization. They're telling you that's undeniable. We're going to give you more money if you use these treatments. Now, doesn't that incentivize them to use them in places where they might be like, well, I'm on the fence. They don't need it, but it's not going to hurt them. Well, yeah, it will. They've been convinced that it won't hurt them and they're going to use it. And there you go. August 23rd, the FDA issue, I mean, point being down here. Oh, wait, there were, I thought, did I just unhighlight one of those? Yeah, it was the 22nd right there. Oops, that's the wrong, wrong, wrong way. August 22nd, FDA approved remdesivir for the treatment of COVID-19. Exactly. So that's one of the things they're talking about. So they are giving you more money for giving people a very dangerous product that killed 53% of the people that use it in the trial by the New England Journal of Medicine. Verifiable. Now, yes, these are elderly people, but that's that's the same point, that this is the problem, that they're giving this predominantly to the people that are at most risk. You are killing people. Dr. Artis has made this very clear. Our interview with him on the website is up for you to check out. But it's not just those. It's vaccines, obviously. That's a huge part of it. Now it says the NCTAP claims are those that are eligible for 20% add-on payment under the CARES Act. Of course, because we've been telling you that from the beginning. That's how they're funding people through this paradigm, this regime. That's how they funded the, the, the big companies that undermine their own business model to be able to go along with the virtue signaling agenda. And they're, apparently their shareholders didn't care, which makes no sense, because they got billions of dollars from your pocket. That's why. Down here. Hospitals should report these codes for all products administered during the stay, even if the hospital got the products for free. Hospitals shouldn't report changes for products they got for free. So it's, it's, a, it's a windfall for these administrators. But it's fake news if you listen to the mainstream media. And here's another way they're forcing some people that don't need it. Local charter school holds COVID vaccine carnival for kids. The kids that don't need it. Kids that they're in many countries are saying they shouldn't get it because it's dangerous for them. Not in our freedom country here. No, they're screaming you have to do it. And they're tricking kids into getting it. Right. Why would you need something like a carnival if the parents are the ones making the decision? Just like with the Sesame Street thing that was gross because they're aiming propaganda at the children. One school held a COVID vaccine clinic on March 5th with an inviting atmosphere that was different from the unusual vaccine clinics. Staff dressed up like clowns in a carnival clinic. Patients and children received their shots while being surrounded by clowns, games, balloons, and music. I'm sure that was at no expense to all of the safety measures, right? 
Staff at the charter school felt inclined to contribute to keeping the community safe from the virus despite the downward trend of cases. Right, despite the fact that we're literally not even in experiencing a problem and these children are at less risk than the flu and there's an outrageous problem with myocarditis and heart attacks and blood clots, but yeah, give it to them because narrative. Mindless people that are hurting children. Oh, on top of that, Blaze Media has revealed that the federal government paid hundreds of media companies to advertise the COVID vaccines while those same outlets provided positive coverage of the vaccines. And of course, that's not relevant at all, right? It's not like they paid these people to advertise the positivity and actually absolutely have no negative comments on it. I'm trying to think if I want to wrap this up right here. I might just revisit this again. I think we're going to wrap it here, guys. Just be, you know, I want to make sure it's under three hours. I didn't, every time I don't want it to be this long. I'm trying actively to bring this down. But as you can see, there's so much going on. And I don't know what it is, but I'm just not capable of ignoring some of this stuff. But as always, I hope you guys will help me get this in front of people. I know Star's making some absolutely outstanding clips out there to get some of these pieces out in small little digestible points. The bottom line is that they paid them to lie to you. Because we know they're lying. We know because the reality is being exposed while they're pointing at Ukraine. I'll, I'm going to revisit this. I'll come back to what it says in the article. But the point, and again, is that they're doing it still right now. So not only do they pay them in the beginning to only report positive things, and in near universal coverage only said positive things. Shocking. It's not like the money had anything to do with that, right? Well, they're doing it again. March 15th. Or excuse me, it's 15, 2021. The point is they're still doing this because remember, this was the campaign that rolls all the way in to what we're talking about. The $1.5 billion ad campaign that you're seeing every day you walk around. They're, for, they're using your money to keep, and didn't you already say no? Didn't you guys all already say no 15, 30, 100 times? It doesn't matter. We're going to keep screaming at you that you need to get it. Oh, and don't forget, they already launched a massive campaign to send 1.6 million more shots to the Philippines. Oh, and it was funded by the World Bank, because that's not weird, and it all ties together. And, of course, it came from the U.S. government. I'm going to look real quick. <laughs> Make sure. What else? There's one last point I want to play here. I think that we'll wrap it up here with this last point with Walensky and come back to some of this on the next show. Yeah. Actually, here's what we're going to do. These ones last. Where are we at? 57? Okay. I'm going to play two clips and then we're going to wrap it up. First one, people we've already been pointing at. Just to kind of end with an obvious reality that they've been telling you this and they're telling you this now. And in fact, in front of the Tennessee House, which I'm glad to see. That's actually, I was actually frustrated that I didn't know this was happening or I would have tried to go there myself. But you probably saw this. And guess what? It's already been censored. 100,000 people in the study in Israel, just so you know, that showed that the double vax were 27 times more likely to get reinfected. So it's not the vaccine, even if we just talk about that, is not stopping infection, it's not stopping transmission. If you look at the studies in England, in Scotland, and in northern countries in Europe where they get real data, that they're actually the triple vaccinated, the most likely to die. So bottom line is that we, as we go forward, the natural immunity is long, broad, and durable. And I don't know if he mentioned it, but we have SARS-CoV-1 patients who still had immunity 18 years later. Let that sink in. 18 years later, we still had immunity from SARS-CoV-1 to SARS-CoV-2. This is long, broad, durable immunity. So what I want to say in closing is 
Natural immunity should be considered legally to be at least equal to vaccinated immunity, and immunity is likely lifelong. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Where have you heard that before on this show? But as always, as long as that means we don't have to prove it to anybody. You're not sick until proven healthy. There's no way that makes sense as much as their fear and their overwhelming concern. Like, they're, they haven't worked out in such a frenzy that that's what they think makes sense now. Well, how do we know you don't have COVID? Because they're scared. But that's never been how this works. I'm a free human being. You don't get to make me, my life is not free contingent on proving something to you. But that's what they want. Now, here's the last one in regard to the same group, but it was already censored. But luckily enough, my, uh, one of the other points was the Wayback Machine. Here you go. What does hyperimmune response look like, Dr. Urso? But the problem is it doesn't play on this, but I was even able to download the video from this Wayback Machine link. I'm finding a lot of interesting ways to use this. And here's that last one. Huh. Oh, there it is. Hyperimmune response is when somebody already has had uh, COVID and they get vaccination, so their immunity is overstimulated. But to, to a patient coming to the clinic, to you, what does that look like? Can you do that kind of very briefly? You recognize it. It looks like Trump. death. Yeah. That's the simplest yeah. answer. It looks well, like death. If you look at the charts, if you look at the charts, the VAERS database, you see this mass spike in deaths in the first two days. So for simplicity, it looks like death. Well, and the non-death would look like a thousand percent increase to the clinic of neurologic conditions, which we see in the Department of Defense um, military epidemiology database. Exactly. It would look like an increase in autoimmune diseases. It would look like an increase in um, bowel disease and bowel discomfort. It would look like an increase in joint pain. It would look like an increase in fatigue. It would look like an increase in inability to um, daily function. Uh, I mean, there are 44,000 people permanently disabled from these shots in the United States thus far. It would look like multiple moderate to severe illnesses that the patient never had previously appearing to their doctor after the first or the second or the third shot. Dr. Thank Kumar. And, Thank and you. Dr. Kumar, Thank can you, you. Can you explain the 24,000 deaths in the VAERS database? You know, that's, it is what it is, the most deadly vaccine in history. See, they're desperately running from this, guys. These are experts, all of them highly credentialed experts. But think about what he just explained there. For all of you out there that may just happen to hear this, who don't think we're, you know, who are experiencing all those things, who got the injection, right? And are denying that there's a connection. Just try to stand back and realize that it's possible because you've been so overwhelmingly convinced, but yet, like for instance, you wear the mask for three years straight and you're convinced that somehow your teeth falling out and your breath stinking and having sores in your mouth has nothing to do with that mask. It's happening to most of them, guys. It's ridiculously gross. Talk to any dentist or people. It's overwhelming. Because it's really gross to wear something like that all the time. It's moist. and all, We've talked about all this. And it causes, increases illness. But for people that have took, taken the injection, who are now dealing with what he just described, neurological things, problems with your bowels, and all this stuff, and all they want to tell you is it probably COVID, probably long-haul COVID, recognize that that's not what's happening and that you're being lied to. Now, let's take a listen to what Walensky just admitted to, in case you missed that. Improved. Um, well, you know, I think 
I can tell you where I was when the CNN feed came that it was 95% effective on the vaccine. So many of us wanted to be hopeful. So many of us wanted to say, okay, this is our ticket out, right? Now we're done. Um, so I think we had perhaps too little caution and too much optimism um, for some good things that came our way. I, I really do. I, I think all of us wanted this to be done. Nobody said waning when, when you know, mm -hmm. oh, this vaccine's gonna work. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe it'll work, it'll wear off. Um, nobody said, well, what if the next variant doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as potent against the next variant. Oops. That's the point. They're openly telling you that they don't know what was, they, they, first of all, were guessing that they were being optimistic for something and then forcing you to do it and telling you they knew when they didn't. And as he points out, and I said the same thing, Thacker, the author of the article in regard to Brooke Jackson and the reality of Ventavia and the lies of the trials that have all very clearly been backed up by what we're talking about. He says, you know what's crazy, what the, what the craziest is, is, or you know what the craziness is? CDC director admits she got her medical info on Pfizer's vaccine from CNN's story right here. And CNN got their info from guess who? Pfizer and Pfizer's press release. I mean, that, this is what we're talking about. This is how the actual flow goes. This woman is not in control of anything. CNN gets their information from what Pfizer told them. CNN reports it. She gets her information from CNN. Yeah, that's really fantastic. Now, on top of that, what Aaron says as well that he links to, the CNN director was always in way over her head, this medical expert points out, and I agree. Here, she frankly admits that what they touted as definitive vax efficacy was really just colored by optimistic, wishful thinking. These people should be in prison. This is outrageous. But because we're now, I guess, pointing over at Russia, just the, the, the people that we need to see this aren't paying attention. Incredible. Now, I'm going to get back to more of this when we get the next show, whenever that ends up being. I just, it didn't, it's already past three hours, so I didn't, I didn't make that work. But thank you all for being here, as always, and being objective. It's so important that we remain objective and we continue to question ourselves and everything else we're talking about. It's just so clear how we're being deceived about all of this. And it never means that there's one other side to this. There's always multiple sides to an argument. And all they want you to think is that it's binary. It's only left or right, right or wrong, because it's easy to manipulate people that way. Because then you can lock it into a partisan concept, and then it triggers the idea that you've got like the red circle, blue circle, right? You've already picked your side, so you're going to stand with it. If for no other reason than just maintaining your previous choices. But you guys out there give me hope every day. I go through these bouts of being frustrated and losing faith, and then I come back to it and realize, you know, but the me, they, they're misrepresenting what the majority is. I believe you're the majority. I always have. I believe that you guys represent what most people are doing. And that's just not just necessarily believing everything we're talking about, but just having a level of, of discernment and questioning, thinking that, well, just because the U.S. says it doesn't make it true. If you, if you can say that and you mean that, you're a, you're, I believe that most people are like that. But they want you to believe that most people are on these two sides. I mean, just look at COVID. COVID revealed it to us. Most people are in this middle ground where they do have politics, but they recognize that there's nuance. And all they do is point to the extremists because that's what they want. Thank you for being here, guys. Keep me hopeful. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.